What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Parental discretion is advised. Because the place is here and the time is now. I have two words for you. Predator drones. You will never see it coming. I think I'm joking. Drones are being used in drone strikes, and I support that entirely and feel the president was right. There's a reason why we shouldn't be using drones. It's because we don't just take out the target. We take out a lot of innocent civilians in these countries where these drones attack. But this is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle East. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests? I hate categories. Categories are okay if you're going to the grocery store. But for me, the categories screwed a lot of people up. We'll make everything metal. Blacker than the blackest black times infinity. Thought Radio, San Diego's source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio. San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative-dominated market. More hard-hitting journalism than even the professionals themselves. Free Thought Radio, free speech, free expression, and free snow call. Only on KKSM Oceanside AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. Podcast airing on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. As it applies to you and me, our country isn't free. Welcome to another episode of Free Thought Radio, guys. I'm your host, Alex Fiddle, freethoughtmedia.org. And uh, live every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM AM 1320. The Radio Revolution, as well as podcasting throughout the week at Liberty Radio Network, which is LRN.FM. And given the subject that is kind of going underneath the rug, given all these uh, false Al-Qaeda things and uh, trying trying to sweep the NSA stuff under the rug as well, but I think the thing that's going to get sweeped under the rug the most are these so-called Palestinian peace talks. You know, heavily brokered by the United States, very one-sided. Um, obviously, Israel is going to get what they want, which is to con- continue uh, to be able to take other people's land by impunity, by unjust law. Uh, uh, there's a new documentary out called Five Broken Cameras, where they deal with just the absurd length people go through to to uh, declare other people's land theirs and to start paving over their fertile farmland and building and, and exiling the people that used to live there or shooting at them, killing them. And uh, none of that stuff's going to be brought to the table, uh, again, because the U.S. is so involved. And we have to break down a lot of uh, misconceptions about history here, uh, f- uh, that there are all these existential threats to Israel. Um, but when the reality is that, that Israel has always been about taking land by force, using the military force, rather than... The peaceful pilgrimage of people 
voluntarily cooperating with each other. Instead, you have deadly, violent military coup of the land of Palestine and kicking out the the indigenous people there uh, and massacring them. You know, and continual ethnic cleansing and, and genocide. So I have uh, two guests here that tonight that will talk about uh, the issue of Israel and Palestine. And uh, and that starts uh, first. Uh, I have uh, a Palestinian refugee in uh, exile from his homeland, as well as uh, a member of Jews Against Zionism, because you know, uh, not in their name, not uh, you know that no one state or government owns anybody or should represent anybody, and that you know when the if the religion says thou shalt not kill or steal, well then it's a it's going against the religion to kill, to steal land. So who are these Zionists really representing? Uh, so my first guest up for tonight is a member of the Palestine Right to Return Coalition, also known as Al-Auda. Joining me now is Dr. Zahid Damuni, and he is the director of Al-Auda, which is the Palestinian Right to Return Coalition. Zahid, welcome to the program. Thank you. No problem. So, uh, Discuss the history of the indigenous people of Palestine, the historical occupation by different colonial empires, whether it be the Ottoman or the British, and in the brief period when Britain lost control of Palestine, before then, of course, plotting with the Zionists to take it back, and what that period of a relatively free Palestine was like. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... Well, I mean, Palestine has been subjugated to a number of colonial uh, occupations, of which, uh, which the two you mentioned, the Ottoman and the British. The British was particularly uh, brutal because it not only was it an, a colonial occupation of the people and suppressing their uh, freedoms, but it also was... Uh, set up to was intended to set up the Jewish state based on the Balfour Declaration of nineteen seventeen, twenty second November nineteen seventeen, actually well before Palestine was under British mandate. So the the in it was bizarre. It was uh, somebody who had no control over a land that didn't belong to them, mm. uh, giving it to, uh, or promising it as a homeland for people who were not from that part of the world. So it was, uh, none of them were indigenous to, the, to, the, to Palestine. Um, the problem, so before that, you know, there, there have been uh, periods of uh, relative tranquility. Um, there wasn't, you know, the demarcation of borders wasn't as strict as it is today. And uh, in fact, when you look at how the different borders were set up, were actually set up by two colonialists. Uh, one was a British and the other one was French, the Sykes-Picot Agreement in the 19, early 1900. And that was where uh, Syria was in fact divided into uh, Palestine, Lebanon, and Syria, which it used to be Greater Syria, and then uh, you know, then, and then those were the artificial borders. So, 
In fact, there are, you know, I come from Haifa, which is in the north of Palestine. And that's, there are places in Lebanon which, or Syria, which are a lot closer to where I live than Gaza, for example. So people didn't, weren't very strict about these borders. It was an imposition, actually. Uh, in any case, the, the main problem with Palestine was actually with the Zionist invasion. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, till today, is the main problem. And the, the reason for it, it wasn't a typical colonialist adventure. It was actually intended to re- replace one people with another. And the Zionist ideology is based on this thing, this which they keep repeating till now, which is the that Israel is a Jewish state. So it's the imposition of a Jewish state in Palestine. And the, the thing is, it's to make it a Jewish state or an exclusive Jewish state, you'd have to get rid of the indigenous people. And the only way you can do that is either by killing them or expelling them or a combination of those two things. And whatever you can do in the interim to squeeze them politically, economically, socially, and whatever mechanism you may have at your disposal so that you are encouraging them to leave. And that's the problem today, is that Zionism has not changed since its inception in the late 1800s, since it came together initially from a group of uh, Russians Mm -hmm. who were called the lovers of Zion, and then which was actually expressed by... uh, in his uh, leaflet, which was uh, the Jewish state, the the, the Jews, Judas Daten or whatever, uh, of Herzl, mm-hmm. you know, and which was who is considered the founder of Zionism, although not strictly true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he 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 was a well-to-do Vienna Jew who was not um, really affected by much discrimination, which Europe you know, dished out to all all kinds of minorities, including the Jews, Mm -hmm. and which is what promoted this Zionist movement to start thinking about establishing a homeland somewhere else. Initially, they didn't care where to establish a homeland somewhere else where they, because they cannot live with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's based on their experience. But there was the other group of Jews and others, actually, who, who believed that they either stay and fight the fight to get their rights, mm-hmm. like everybody else, or even come to the United States, which is why in one year alone there's over one million uh, Russians came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. in an early 19th century, a 20th century. So basically, uh, you know, so there's, there were three approaches that were being followed, and the worst of the lot which wasn't very popular at the time, is the one that we are dealing with today in in Palestine, which is the one that intends to displace us as a people from our homes. Definitely. And just like uh, the wealthy uh, European elite just kind of took Africa and just drew some lines on it for themselves, it's sort of the the same issues. Um, Before the implementation of the Zionist invasion by the British military, how did various people, whether it be Muslims or non-Islamic Arabs, Christians and Jews, live in peace before the military dominion from the extremist uh, cabal of Zionists and their imperialist backers occurred? And, and how does that play into you know, the, the scaremongering and the debate-ending false claim of anti-Semitism? How does that disprove that 
when when people were living in, in relatively peacetime before the invasions? Uh, this is definitely, you know, true that prior to the um, invasion of Palestine by Zionism, uh, we had, uh, you know, there were Palestinian Christians, Muslims, uh, Jews, Druze, and uh, others who, uh, Samaritans were there, who had been since biblical times and still live in the same part of the country. Uh, all of that, uh, you know, they coexisted. They actually, uh, there were a number of motivations for coexistence. One, it was the right thing to do. And everybody had the right to their own beliefs and religions and practice them without any, uh, you know, hindrance, except there were some periods of tension imposed when the colonialists arrived. And then the um, the other thing, I mean, uh, uh, to relate to that was Palestine was actually very welcoming to people who needed shelter, like uh, Syria, like Jordan, like Lebanon, for example, when the Armenians uh, massacre took place, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, at least the exodus took place in Armenia, uh, trying to run away from the massacre, the genocide that took place by the Ottomans, um, where over a million um, Armenians were actually completely, uh, you know, massacred. Uh, a lot of Armenians came to Palestine, were actually welcomed and became today part of the fabric of Palestinian society and are very active in Palestinian affairs, including in the resistance. Awesome. Yeah, and the, 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 the difference between that and coexisting with Zionism is that Zionism was different. Zionism came with an aggressive agenda, which is to kick you out. Exactly. <laughs> so, so this is not something you can live with, in fact. So you have to resist it, yes. Definitely. And, you know, that goes into the notion of thou shalt not kill or steal, but what they're doing is they're breaking that by killing and stealing right. uh, or killing people to steal their land. Uh, and the, the stories portrayed by Western history books and, and media outlets is that, that uh, you know, they paint Palestinians as a threat to Jews and anti-Semites and that Israel's war of independence was needed to defend themselves against such dangerous people. But Real history tells us that's not the case, that the disparity of force with the British military was so large, of course, thanks to the British military essentially leading the power uh, of the manpower for the invasion, which was known as the Nakba because there was no state of Israel at the time, uh, that it was you know, clearly a taking of land from nonviolent people, a clear uh, neocolonial effort for the British to retake Palestine on behalf of the Zionists, killing... Uh, many and displacing even more Palestinians in the process. Talk a bit about the, the different semantics of the British military coup in 47 and 48 uh, to invent the illegitimate state of Israel and just, you know, the, how it, uh, and just the, the whole event of the Nakba. Right. Um, yeah, I just want to, before, before I do that, just sure. to think about the uh, different groups. To, you know, 25% of the population was actually Christian. Mm -hmm. And as a result of the ethnic cleansing, as a result of the uh, continuous, uh, you know, policies of ethnic cleansing that Israel practices, today there's only 2% wow. of the Palestinians are Christians that remain in Palestine. The majority are outside. And actually, if you look at the Nakba, 
itself, the events that led to this major exodus or exile of Palestinians, exile because they are denied their right to return, mm-hmm. uh, is, um, you know, the the plan that brought this about was conceived by the founder, well, who was called the founder, founding prime minister of the state of Israel, who's Ben-Gurion, and his cohorts, which included people like uh, Shimon Peres and Tzhak Rabin and uh, Moshe Dayan and Golda Meir and all that crowd that ruled the initial stages of the state of Israel, even some till today, like Shimon Peres, who's the current president. What they planned, what they devised was a plan that uh, was intended to drive the people out of their homes. And so what they did was a series of massacres and that took place throughout Palestine. And these massacres would occur in a village or a town or whatever, uh, you know, whatever you have. And the idea was to commit murders and that then spread the news and people would run away because mm-hmm. for fear of their lives. The biggest massacre, the one that's caused the biggest exodus, in fact, was the one that was uh, that took place in Daria Yassin in, on the 9th of April, 1948 by Menachem Begin, who later became prime minister of Israel and was leader of the Irgun. And um, there were other groups involved. But basically, um, what they did, the Stern Gang was also involved. And what they did was they massacred the village of Der Yassin, which lay on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And as a consequence, you know, the word spread throughout Palestine that 250 people they exaggerated even the number that they killed and babies and all of that uh, was heard all over Palestine and caused the largest exodus. Although, in reality, it wasn't the biggest massacre they committed. There was an even bigger massacre that was uh, that occurred in the village of Jimzu, which, was, uh, which is located near uh, Lidda, where the airport, the major airport is. And uh, there they actually went into a mosque and massacred 400 Palestinians who were sitting there, you know, sheltering, hoping that a place of worship would protect them. These were unarmed civilians. And that's what what they caused. The the role the British played was the worst. The the British essentially armed the Zionists while at the same time disarming and attacking the Palestinian resistance. So this was their part of their military plan. Mm-hmm. They also had other plans, which included appointing Zionists in leadership positions in, during the transition to the, is the creation of the Zionist bureaucracy and Zionist government, mm-hmm. whereas the indigenous, they would appoint them under, in positions that were below those in, in the hierarchy of things. So their whole process, which involved uh, appointees initially from the UK, from Britain, from the empire, you know, were actually designed to create both a military objective and a civilian objective, and that's how the Zionist state was put in place. Yeah, total today, there are 11 million Palestinians. Of those, 7.2 million are living in forced exile. As, as displaced people without their fundamental right to return to their homes and lands of origin, which is a right, in fact, enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Article 13, 
it's, it's enshrined in at least five instruments of international law. Mm-hmm. And it was actually affirmed by the United Nations one day after it passed the Universal Declaration of Human Rights on December 10, uh, 1948. On December 11, 1948, the United Nations passed Resolution 194, which basically stated that Palestinians are like everybody else. Mm -hmm. They have a right to return to their home. And Israel, which was accepted into the United Nations, in fact, on condition that it agreed to all United Nations resolutions prior, including 194, uh, said it did, but deceptively, because since then it has not allowed this resolution to be implemented. Definitely. And certainly with just going into towns and massacring people, that that is the definition of terrorism, isn't it? Right, right. Menachem Begin was the inventor of uh, bombings of hotels and suicide attacks, things of that nature. Prior to the establishment of the State of Israel, prior to the um, British uh, colonial rule of Palestine, the golden era of the Jews was considered during the period of the Arab Empire, actually. During the, the, the golden age of the Jews was during the Arab Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was never in Palestine at any time prior to the British colonial any tension between uh, Palestinians and the, their brothers, the Jews who were Palestinians. Mm-hmm. It was only the, during the period of the massive immigration that took place, but with an aggressive agenda that the tensions started. And the only place in history where Uh, Jews were heavily discriminated against was in Europe, not in Palestine. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the European solution Mm -hmm. to the Jewish problem, which is either to kill them, like Hitler tried to do, or to expel them and create them a a homeland somewhere else, but on our backs. Mm -hmm. And this is not acceptable. Europe should carry its own weight, not uh, dump it on somebody else. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's a quote from Theodor Herzl. He called it the Jewish problem, and he's right. the founder of Zionism. Right. Uh, and um, much of what uh, they do occurs with U.S. backing. The Israeli lobby in the United States Congress is the most arm-twisting of any of the lobbies, uh, mostly pushing for perpetual wars that benefit the goals of Israel as well as other despotic Western-created illegitimate regimes like Saudi Arabia. Um, would the Likud party uh, the, and the massive armaments used to crush Palestinians and, and more uh, systemic uh, uh, staples to the Israeli regime, would, they, would those things be able to survive if it wasn't for the $30 billion a year uh, in foreign aid plus the backing of our foreign policy? Right. No. The... There is a direct link between what Israel does and who finances it. There is no disconnect. And we are, as in America and the U.S., we are as much to blame for providing the gun that is used to kill Palestinians as we are as the person is who is using the gun, because we know exactly what it is being used for. Our government is not that stupid. Our government knows exactly what is happening with those guns. It knows about the home demolitions that take place in Palestine. It knows about the wall that's being built around every town, every city, and actually is financing it. 
and it, it knows exactly the kind of weapons that Israel gets and that those are not used to be used against civilians, which they are. And uh, we have, as a, American taxpayers, we have a huge responsibility because, after all, it is your and my tax dollars that are being used to finance this. And I think it's most important for anybody with an inkling, the slightest bit of conscience, is to go to their congressional rep, no matter how you dislike them, mm-hmm. to go to your congressional rep, the elected rep, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how they got elected, mm-hmm. but to tell them basically that we are here, we know how you are spending our money, and we don't want it spent over there. We would rather our money that we use, that we give as taxation, be used to build hospitals, to build schools, to build, to create jobs and activities here in the United States, to put the homeless in shelters and homes and provide all the facilities and medical care and all of that we need here, rather than to finance the destruction of another people. No person with a conscience who is paying for that, mm-hmm. who knowingly pays for that, has a right to keep quiet. Okay. They have to go and talk to their congressional reps. That's what I would say. And, and certainly there, there's an entrenched two-party system in America perpetuated by that same large corporate financing, uh, the military-industrial complex, which guarantees that pretty much every president, Republican or Democrat, serve the war machine, and as well as a lot of them give star-studded speeches at APAC conferences. How does the foreign aid's perpetuation of the Likud party's political machine guarantee power to their party members as well as prevent the efforts of Jewish anti-Zionist activists in Israel from returning it to a a free Palestine, uh, since even the Knesset has more dissent against Zionism than the U.S. Congress, so much so that that while they're a small minority, there are Palestinians that have been elected and some Jewish anti-Zionists have been elected and serving office in there. Yeah, it's uh, what has to change is here. Mm-hmm. I think this is the bottom line. And uh, if, we, if, if change, we have a responsibility here. Uh, we are responsible for what is happening there as long as we are giving one cent even, never mind the billions of dollars. If we are giving one cent, we are responsible of, for that. how that one cent is spent, how it is misspent. Okay, And so we cannot sit here and say, oh, it's between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and they've had a hundred-year conflict, and whatever Fox News tells you must Mm -hmm. be true. But it's not. The reality is that we are paying for this. We create what, what happens there, and we can prevent it. And the only way to prevent it is not to pretend that we are having negotiations about negotiations to negotiate (laughs) a negotiation for the past 20 years since Oslo. Mm-hmm. You know, and now we've restarted the same process again as if it never happened before. Exactly. And we, there's no point to negotiation if you're not going to achieve anything and you're still going to be financing the construction of settlements the, that you say you're against. To, so the whole hypocrisy, the whole system of hypocrisy and dece- deception, you know, it's just too obvious. People must surely know this by now. Definitely. For those just joining, I'm speaking with Dr. Zahi Damuni of Al-Ada, which is the Palestinian Right to Return Coalition. Um, we, we talked about uh, some of the people involved with, with the founding of Zionism, namely uh, Theodor Herzl, who referred to Jews as the Jewish problem. 
um, uh, and even, you know, collaborated with Nazis because he believed that he wanted to kill off some of these Jews so that an ethnically superior group of people would then go to Palestine. Uh, historically, uh, many of these uh, collaborators included George Bush's grandfather, who, uh, uh, as well as a Federal Reserve architect Paul Warburg, both of them laundered money to Hitler, and Goebbels even paid a visit to Palestine early on. And, and uh, strange things like those it makes sense that that you know the, the massacring being inflicted upon the Palestinians has the same air of racial superiority and military fascism that was practiced in Nazi Germany. And uh, uh, there, there's a new uh, documentary out called Five Broken Cameras that El Auto screened recently. And it, it reminded me, many of the instances in the movie reminded me of, you know, a Gestapo. One such instance was one of the, the central figure in the movie being visited by Israeli occupation forces at his house, they say military rules are now claiming his house, ask for his ID, you know, papers, please. Uh, and, and they go around and they snatch up children in the middle of the night to be thrown in, in Israeli jails. Talk about the events of the movie as a whole, the power of the, the nonviolence resistance that was practiced in the scenes of the movie, and why the movie can be a wake-up call for those who, uh, who believe the political rhetoric of the scaremongers instead of the actual reality, which is that innocent people are dying. Right. The movie was very revealing. I mean, it was uh, like one person with his camera, mm -hmm. and each camera was shot to death. <laughs> That's why five cameras were used to make the film, and even the fifth camera got it, was, was, uh, had a bullet through it. And then so the, and the sixth camera was how we, they were able to film, to finish the film. Mm -hmm. um, and this was just nonviolent resistance. It was resistance to the building of a wall, which was confiscating land. So it was built on the land of the village, taking its farmland, and this is a farming village, taking its farmland and preventing its uh, people from actually going anywhere. They, had, they were surrounded by a fence. You saw that, and they had to go through a gate and wait for the soldiers to come and open the gate so that they can go and leave their village. It's to leave, to go in and out. This is a big prison camp. Yeah. And surrounded, and then the, the soldiers would come in the middle of the night, snatching kids from their parents in the middle of the night. They, are, they take the kids without their guardian, without an adult, without a lawyer, without anything, on their own, and they scare them. And they uh, put them, detain them in jails and, and keep them for extended periods of time. They were shooting life bullets against... Uh, Palestinians who were chanting, mm -hmm. and not only Palestinians, there were uh, solidarity groups with them, and they were shooting cameras that were coming from other places too. And this is shocking. What you what you saw was the daily life of Palestinians under occupation with heavily armed Israeli soldiers armed with, uh, you know, with American weapons. Mm -hmm. With American gear, with bulletproof gas, vests, as if anybody was shooting at them, and helmets galore, and just like Nazis, mm -hmm. you said it, you know. And they were controlling this population, They're just trying to get on with their lives in their own village from their own lands. And you would see the destruction of their livelihood right in front of their eyes. You saw the burning of the olive trees olive trees which provide with the olives that 
generate income for the, the community. Olive trees that have lived for thousands of years in Palestine being uprooted by bulldozers and basically trying to change the whole livelihood of the whole people in the area. If there is an opportunity to show this film again at Palomar mm -hmm. Community College, I would love to be able to do that. Everyone would should be welcomed and just see what's going on. And it's actually, it's an interesting film because it's not only made by a Palestinian. Mm -hmm. There's a co-director there who, who does less, but he's there. And he, he, there's an Israeli mm -hmm. as well involved in the making of this film. So I think it would be very uh, in, instructive. And basically, there is very little uh, narration that is not relevant to what you are actually seeing. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good film. There's another film... I hope we will be able to show soon, even in the library, which is a film called Degrees of Incarceration, which has a similar situation of popular resistance in the camp, Palestinian refugee camp of uh, Aida refugee camp. And that's uh, also very, very powerful, very, very moving. And it shows you how they actually prepare the, the kids for the inevitable incarceration in a Zionist jail. Mm -hmm. They teach them how to react, how to behave wow. in the jail because <laughs> yeah. they know it's coming. It's amazing. Yeah. And in the movie Five Broken Cameras, we see a guy who is very friendly with children and nonviolent activist, you know, likes to talk really loud when they're, tr you know, they're building fences and stuff, but nothing wrong. But we see him just right there in the action of all of it just gets shot dead and he drops. And it's, you know, most people don't want to realize like they don't want to it's like you know they cover their eyes their ears and their mouth and they don't want to look at reality which is the raw ugliness of of you know killing mm -hmm. innocent people moving on to modern issues um there there are a lot of palestinian political prisoners some who have gone on hunger strikes talk a little bit about samar asawi and maybe some other ones that are, are engaged in the same struggle as he is yeah there have been actually a number of uh, palestinian political prisoners over the last year or two actually have gone under on extended uh, hunger strikes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing how, how they've endured such uh, hardship and for such long periods and so many. And what's amazing is the, the uniqueness of the samurai Sawi who you mentioned is that unlike other prisoners who were offered, for example, uh, you can... Uh, go to Gaza instead of your hometown in Jerusalem or something else. He refused that offer. Mm -hmm. He said, that the reason you want me to move is because you want to empty that piece of land where I come from. Mm -hmm. And th that's your program, and I'm, not, I'm against your program. Mm -hmm. So he, kept, he, he stayed on hunger strike, and there was a campaign which allowed a led, uh, which called the Free Samurai Sawi campaign, which went viral. I mean, it went throughout internationally. Awesome. And uh, it brought a huge attention to his uh, hunger strike. And uh, eventually what was offered to him is, okay, you complete uh, so many months because, uh, I'll explain why in a minute, mm -hmm. but uh, you complete uh, these many months and then you can go back to your town. So he basically won by standing his ground. Awesome. That, uh, that we d We're not happy that he is... He was forced to stay for the duration, and we're, we're also uh, very skeptical, in fact, and worried that the Israelis might renege on their promise like they have done before. Mm -hmm. 
But Samurai Sao is a very strong uh, willed and very stubborn. So if he has to go on hunger strikes again, he promised he will do it again. But uh, that's the and the reason they kept him for the duration was apparently it was illegal for him, right, to leave his town, to leave to move from his um, residence to Jerusalem, right. But actually, in all the maps, his residence is in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and so they use this as some kind of a technicality something like that, to to add eight more months to his prison sentence. And, you know, it's this is so typical of the Zionists. They create laws. Mm-hmm. You know, like you mentioned that they gave uh, Ahmad uh, in the film, uh, they gave him uh, that they called his house a closed military zone. Mm-hmm. And what was the purpose? That he's not allowed to use the camera even in his home. And even in his home, he's not allowed to film the family. That was the purpose of closing. If this is not censorship, mm-hmm. and I thought we were, you know, it was the only democracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if this is not censorship, I don't know what is. Exactly. Yeah. And, and part of uh, democracy is being able to film police or and or military to keep them accountable right. for, le- for legal purposes, for humanitarian purposes, to get, you know, for awareness purposes and and going going back to the film Five Broken Cameras, I get, I wanted to mention that I think you know the symbol the symbology of uprooting uh, olive trees and you know all of, all of branches are symbols of peace, mm-hmm. um, as well as you know being able to sustain people's living with organic farming. And instead, they're going to put cement over those fertile lands, which is is very unfortunate. Um, uh, uh, additionally, you know, some some modern issues. Um, uh, a lot of people think that the Muslim world is, is monolithic. And they don't realize that, uh, similarly to Israel, Saudi Arabia was created with the British military coup with the American backing. And countries like Bahrain, Egypt, and Turkey are still very much in bed with uh, the U.S. and Israel. Um, Morsi, the Muslim Brotherhood president of Egypt, was quick to be bought out by U.S. influence in the IMF loans. Given his succumbing to the U.S. demands for being friendly to Israel, um, do you think that it's a, it's a fabrication, the story of that Hamas tried to break him out of jail, you know, a fabrication that would give the U.S.-backed Egyptian military an excuse to crack down on average people? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's rubbish. It's, I mean, it's not even worth commenting on. It's, yeah. uh, it's a made-up story, and not only that, they're trying to... Uh, basically, what happened in Egypt, there was a displeasure with Mursi's rule, and the reason, I'll explain that. I mean, I think there is a very simple reason for it. Uh, although he was the elected president, mm-hmm. although he passed a lot of referendums on very specific issues, but he never had a landslide uh, mandate from the people for anything. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, he got, got elected by just barely with a, over a third of the vote because mm-hmm. there was a split. And so his problem was he thought he had the mandate to ignore the opposition, which he didn't. So he should have worked with them better. But at the same time, what that created was a unification of a lot of forces that don't normally agree with each other. Which So there was a lot of uh, public dis, dis, uh, comfort with his policies, with his approach. And that I think it was reasonable. 
what wasn't reasonable was that the day after they demonstrated, the, the people of Egypt demonstrated against the Morsi Muslim Brotherhood leadership, mm-hmm. uh, the military took over. They exactly. used the opportunity to take over, and now they are trying to paint Morsi in the same way that Mubarak was mm-hmm. painted, as somebody who has actually tortured people, which is untrue, mm-hmm. as somebody who committed crimes like, and they even accuse Morsi of working with Hamas. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> collaborating with Hamas. That's what Israel says. Yeah. He collaborated with the U.S. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's, a, it's, it's just an interesting paradox that you have a U.S. puppet like Morsi, and then you trade it out for a U.S. puppet military. So the, yeah. the Egyptian. The, mil- the military is actually, let's face it, it's a U.S. backed military. The, America's strategy in Egypt. Nothing mattered in Egypt except the Egyptian military. All the other issues were secondary. As long as the U.S. had control of Egypt's military, we were good. And Egypt's military secured America's strategic interest in the area, which is basically to rule the whole area. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the fun- The military is paid and owned. is owned by the Americans, actually. Mm-hmm. So if you replace Mercy with the military regime, there is no harm done to America. Exactly. <laughs> In fact, it's uh, probably a more secure relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so these, like, like you said, the kind of facade of the Palestinian peace talks are about to resume. In the movie Five Broken Cameras, the central fi- figure in the film detests even the Palestinian politicians who he thinks don't really hold the people's best interests at heart or are more, more kind of opportunist photo op people than, than anything else. So with weak Palestinian representatives, plus the heavy hand of John Kerry in the U.S., plus the unwillingness of Netanyahu to make any concessions, with the exception of maybe 104. Uh, And, of course, he's promising more and more illegal settlements. Is this peace conference a joke, and isn't it very heavily one-sided? Yeah, the the reason the Palestinians, I mean, to show how weak the Palestinians are, the reason they haven't been going to the negotiations for the last three years was because... uh, 40% 40% of uh, the occupied West Bank has been basically devoured by the growth of settlements. 40% so what they had offered in, uh, you know, before Oslo started was their idea was, okay, you know, you can have pre-67 borders and we'll take 10, 22% of what remains in Palestine. Okay, now the Israelis said, you know, this is what we give you in Oslo, but we, we need more security by taking more of your land, <laughs> you know. And so while the peace negotiations are taking place, quote-unquote peace mm-hmm. negotiations are taking place, what they're doing is gobbling up the land. Mm-hmm. It's like you and me trying to share a pizza, deciding on who's going to have a pizza while I'm eating your half. <laughs> exactly. So this is, I mean, so... And that's the the funny. I mean, it's it's not it's funny, but it's not funny because we're the American position is actually as Israel's lawyer, not as an honest peace broker. Mm-hmm. And so they're uh, at the same time that Israel is doing this, they persuaded the weak position of the Palestinian negotiators, and they're weak because they have no mandate, mm-hmm. actually, from the people to even be involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not elected representatives, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought we were all for democracy here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, they, you know, so they accept 
insisted, they, they reneged on their insistence that all uh, settlement building be stopped. So we don't know why they didn't negotiate the last three years, in fact. And then uh, the, in the meantime, we get 104 prisoners, but it's not like an immediate release of 104 prisoners. It's based on the progress in the negotiations, which means they are going to stay in prison because there's going to be no progress on the negotiations. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, the settlement construction goes on. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what we're negotiating. It's like as if the, um, first, as if the leadership in Ramallah has no other strategy, which is, I think they should basically, they are failed leaders, they should move on. Mm-hmm. or be moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is we know the strategy of the of the Israelis, which is to keep taking in more and more land. Mm-hmm. And we, they're not going to change that, and the, the negotiations will give them a cover to do it. And uh, Kerry is trying to appease somebody by pretending there are negotiations, but you know, I, I don't know how long this theater is. Go- who's mm-hmm. going to be fooled by this theater? Exactly. I have no idea. And they're doing the whole Syria war thing behind everybody's backs, even before mm-hmm. a supposed meeting between the opposition and it. So it's like they're just going ahead and doing what they want and saying we're going to talk about it later. Right. Shoot for assess questions later. Um, talk about about one of those settlement plans that they're not going to give up at those supposed peace uh, uh, conferences, which is the dubbed the Prar Plan. It seeks to ethnic, ethnic, ethnically cleanse, I uh, uh, hope I'm saying this right, the Bedouin population from southern Palestine for Israeli settlements. What is the prior plan? Yeah, the, um, this is different than the West Bank, actually, mm-hmm. which the negotiations in Washington don't even address. If the, the negotiations in Washington are talking about the West Bank and, so, and Jerusalem, but Israel refuses at any time to stop the settlements. All the settlements, right, are all around. Anything that's around Jerusalem is fair game for Israel. Mm-hmm. And so this will go on. The Prower plan is a very serious, um, and it's a disastrous plan. And there are protests even today. There were protests in Haifa and near Haifa, in villages near Haifa, uh, and elsewhere in Palestine, uh, condemning and protesting this plan. The plan, which was approved by the Israeli Knesset and was now approved by the Israeli government, seeks to confiscate 850,000 dunam, which is, divide that by four is the acres, so just over 200,000 acres of Palestinian land uh, that where um, Palestinian Bedouins have lived for, you know, centuries. And they want to to remove their villages from those areas in order to redecorate, to recreate a Jewish settlements, Jewish area. Mm-hmm. And the whole purpose is to remove, ethnically cleanse the Palestinian population. What we're talking about is dislodging an additional 40,000 Palestinians from those areas and taking over that land. Hence all this protests. 40,000 is a substantial number of people who will lose their livelihood again. And a lot of them were actually living in villages even from before the State of Israel. But when the State of Israel came into being, Israel declared their villages as unrecognized. Unrecognized meaning what? Meaning that these occupied citizens, because they were issued citizenship, Mm -hmm. 
So these occupied citizens of the state who were paying taxes to the state were in fact getting zero services from the state for their taxes. So no water, no uh, electric lines, nothing to do with an infrastructure of the village was provided. And now they are going to come and move them out of there. Mm -hmm. So the Prower plan is another ethnic cleansing plan. Mm -hmm. It's in the, during the Nakba, it used to be called Plan Dalit, which means Plan D. Today it's gonna be it's called the Prower Plan. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And it's 2013, and one would think, well, well, we might not have apartheid or ethnic cleansing or any of those stuff anymore, but we do. Talk, talk a bit about how um, uh, buses are now segregated. That it's becoming it's kind of looking like Montgomery, Alabama, with uh, it's Jews only, or and then Palestinians are brushed off to the side. Talk about the various ways and way things are segregated. Yeah, in, 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 certain, in some areas in Palestine, in Israel, there are buses that are strictly for Jews and buses and you, with a different color that are strictly for Palestinians. So we're not even allowed to be on the same bus anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, there are, of course, uh, there's at least 30 laws in Israel that discriminate, or actually 40 laws in Israel that discriminate against the Palestinian mm-hmm. in terms of jobs, in terms of land ownership, in terms of um, uh, employment uh, and uh, all kinds of issues related to even marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was married, if I fell in love, I'm from Haifa. Mm-hmm. If I fell in love with a woman, Palestinian woman, uh, who lives in the West Bank, mm-hmm. right? According to the law, I would be breaking the law if I got married to her and brought her to live with me in Haifa. Wow. It would be legal if I left the country and we got married in another country. Wow. This is the, this is the nature of the uh, racism mm-hmm. that's being practiced in Israel today. So, But if you're a Russian Jew mm-hmm. or you're a Jew from Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. and you come to the state of Israel... You are immediately welcomed. You're giving accommodation. You get a lot of freebies. Mm-hmm. So even though you have no real connection to the, no historical connection to the land, mm-hmm. you come in and you get a lot of uh, credits because just simply because you are of the right religion. Mm-hmm. In our case, even though we belong to the land, mm-hmm. not only we own it, but we belong to that land, mm-hmm. yeah, we have uh, less rights today mm-hmm. than we did when we we're free, mm-hmm. and we should be free. Definitely, it certainly is is, is a is a is a horrible thing. Uh, and in the film, five broken cameras, IDF soldiers even shot at Israeli civilians and other people. Are solidarity groups? You know, they come over and visit, joining the Palestinians in demonstrations. They often beat up Jewish anti-Zionist activists, and they jail IDF deserters who don't want to take part in war crimes and are even forced sterilizing black Jews from Ethiopia, a testament to how racial superiority is a part of the Zionist agenda, even when it comes to the Jews they're claiming to represent. How is, is the Israeli state bad for even the Jews as well? Oh, I think once you create the basic ideology of Zionism, that we are the chosen people there, or at least we are the unique people, that we are the people who 
have superiority on the land. I mean, can you imagine in America today that we create a street mm-hmm. and we say, in, just imagine a street, right? And we say how it's illegal to, to say this street is for whites only. Mm-hmm. Right? No Latinos, no African Americans, no nothing, except if you are white. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And this is what the racism that's being uh, practiced in Israel so how can it be good for the racist? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's only a temporary uh, situation. It cannot last forever. And what's right will, will eventually win, you know. And so, and people of conscience and people in the United States, once they know that this is how my money is being spent, they will not accept it, I think. They Definitely. Find, yeah, they will not find it acceptable. Definitely, and it flies right in the face of the American Defamation League scaremongering that, you know, this is Hitler and, and want, like, uh, collective punishment when the only people doing the collective punishment because of the way somebody's born are on behalf of the Israelis doing it against Palestinians and even uh, Jews who don't happen to be white or Zionist. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the, on the issue and tell people about the al Auto organization? Yeah, um, final thoughts on the issue is this, is that uh, as long as there is injustice, and we see it, it's blatant, uh, as long as there is injustice, as long as there is occupation, as long as there is dispossession and ethnic cleansing, no one can keep quiet. You cannot keep quiet. If you know about these things, you cannot keep quiet. And as you mentioned, there are Jews who cannot keep quiet about this. So I think everybody should... uh, wake up and stop being quiet about this. Exactly. That's one thing. About Al-Auda, the Palestine Right to Return Coalition, actually we're based in Carlsbad. We welcome people to, to our center to talk, to learn, to come and see what we do here. But basically our organization, which has been in existence since the year 2000 and is, uh, you know, is a non-profit organization, it's a charitable an educational organization, and what it does is it seeks to uh, educate people on the issue of Palestine, and specifically the issue that affects the vast majority of Palestinians, which is uh, who are not only living under occupation, but the ones who are living in forced exile from their homeland. And it's a fundamental right, a fundamental right that any person who is listening to your program or who isn't listening to your program that whenever they leave their home, they expect to come back to their home. They don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And this, this is what we are being denied, the right to even go back to our homes and lands from which we were expelled in 48. We're not going to stop advocating for that, educating for that, and even planning to return. Mm-hmm. So this come to Al-Auda, and you will learn more about our plans. Thank you. Awesome. And I've been speaking with Dr. Zahi Dabuni of Al-Ada, the Palestine Right to Return Coalition. Thanks again for joining the program. Thank you. And it is www.al-auda.org, www.al-auda.org. And as a, forget about principles of basic morality, but when it comes to the principles of liberty, that you own yourself, and that you don't, nobody has a right to aggress upon you, certainly not with high-grade military armaments. No one has a right to take your property by force. And what, a, 
what did the British military do than take somebody's property by force to give it over to uh, other people to whom it didn't belong to in the first place. That is not justly acquired property. And at the same time, in regards to the principle of self-ownership, if you, uh, on, on, when you apply it to Jewish people, the state of Israel is claiming to own every single Jewish person in the world, regardless of whether they agree with their actions or not, and a lot don't. So if Israel, if, if, a, if Jewish people don't even have consent or, or, or a, a consensus on the state of Israel, then who are they really, who, who is the state of Israel really representing? Who are they claiming to own? Well, uh, well, they're probably claiming to own a lot of people in the slavery sense, but they don't own us. And they are trying to represent really military interests, money interests, and yes, even uh, ideologically extreme interests. Even though I, my next guest is from uh, Jews United Against Zionism, um, that while a lot of that, a lot of Zionists are, of course, Jewish and brainwashed, the people at the very, very, very top actually detested the religion when they founded Zionism, uh, and like how they collaborated with the Nazis. They all came from Germany. Uh, Theodore Herzl collaborated with the Nazis because they wanted to expel the Jews from Europe because they were the Jewish problem. So what? That, that's how they called them. Um, so w what else than to expel them somewhere else? And, and then, of course, kill some. And then you have people like Herzl saying that they wanted an ethnically superior blend of uh, Jewish people to go to Palestine. That's why they let everybody die in the Holocaust. And those are some real facts that you don't hear about. A guy wrote a book on how a Jewish guy who uh, had his parents survive from Auschwitz, he discovered that Zionist connection to Nazism, and then it, he was able to kind of rediscover his Jewish identity because of it. And we'll talk all about that and more, but I want to play two songs. This first one is called Checkpoint Rock. It is from uh, an album of songs for Palestine. And then after that is Third World Genocide by Nuclear Assault. Here on KKSM, AM 1320, the radio revolution. Be right back after this in commercials. <laughs> الأطفال التنوا للتنوا للتحت قضائف وحريق والعالم تركهم عهامش الطريق وقعنا خيال بالنسبة لكم اللا مبلاة مثل مطر مصمير وسقوف الأمام تدلف منكم فكسيت بموسيقى شش قرضنك يتحرك راسك هنو الحق ما بضيع طول ما إله طالب كل ليلة نادي ليلة نفس الديجي كمان ندي في بلاي رمزيك ومزي شيء من دربات الوسط بلاتي داني تعلمات ومدام سنين صبرين فخالص ولا عطفة بسلاحي نزلت مهندس الصوت لأنه احتلال اللي حطت علي ميوت والموسيقى حق اللي ما يسكت والحرية فتاة اللي تقولي في أمان مرقوس في أمان مرقوس في أمان مرقوس فني لغتي وطني وطني فني Fanny, 
بيصغر لي فيه حبك بحرائق جسمي لفيه باسمي ببني اجيال واحلام تتحقق حتى برسمي بس من رسمه عوراء كله انسرق وانحرق بدل ما صير حقيقه صارت زي البراء بتعرف شو هالاحساس طبعا لا بعمل لك شمي ازاز طبعا لا لانك ولا مره حسيت وقسيت يا ريت شو عملت شع تركت ومردوم بيت اوبس قلت تشوف ما انت شايف هو انت مبسوط هو العايف عارف
listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside. Since time began, tyrants have taken aim at personal liberties. Now there's a movie that aims back. The government has no more right to tell us what to put in our bodies than they have to take our guns or tell us what books we can read. I wonder how prohibitionists would feel if they saw medical marijuana vastly improve the life of someone dear to them. Today, many cops who enforce pot laws do so only because it provides them with cushy jobs, good benefits, and a chance to push people around. I was an undercover narcotics officer. The drug war is nothing but a farce. Six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. On your knees, you dirty hippies! Jesus. On your knees! What's the problem, officer? The Second Amendment says you gotta keep you and your gat intact. Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. A film by Michael W. Dean and Nima Vidati. Available from gunsandweed.com. KKSM Oceanside. What is it you're doing? I'm using the chicken to measure. Now, have you ever used the chicken to measure? AM 1320. I got so hot until I started to, to use a chicken head to measure it. The Radio Revolution. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio, guys. Freethoughtmedia.org. Uh, my guest in the last hour was Dr. Zahi Damuni of Al-Auda, the Palestine Right to Return Coalition. If you miss any part of the episode, podcast will be up tomorrow at iTunes. Search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC or listen to LRN.FM's weekly podcast loop uh, and Facebook.com slash Free Thought Radio for all the updates. Next week, I have Dr. David Kennedy director of the movie Fluoride Gate, as well as Jamie Haas, who's of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, going to talk about how the drug war makes border violence way, way worse. I mean, causes it in the first place. There'd be no guns if it were illegal. But on the subject of, of Palestine and, and, and Zionism, that no matter how you dice it, killing people to take land, to steal land, is immoral. I don't care who does it, under what cause they claim to uh, take up, like for example the Aryan cause caused them the uh, Hitler regime to want to take other lands. The Zionist cause is what causes the uh, Israeli regime to take people's lands and ethnically cleanse them and so on and so forth. So my guest for this hour is going to discuss how Zionism opposes the principles of Judaism and, you know, just the principles of, of general objective morality across all faiths. All faiths are, you know, thou shall not kill or steal. So what is, again, who is Israel really representing? And that just further proves that the anti-Semitism claim is really just debate shutting down, scaremongering on the part of the ADL. It, it's, it's to cover up war crimes. And that this is not... Uh, you know, they do this in the name of all Jews in general, uh, who, and, and that, that in itself is, you know, uh, against Jews because they are misrepresenting people that they're claiming to own and represent. I mean, they're no better than the people say that blame the Jews in general for all this when it's, you know, a select few of identifiable individuals who should be tried and charged for war crimes. Nobody's talking about collective punishment. The only people that are doing the collective punishing are the Israelis against the Palestinians. 
because they come from the same crop as Nazis who also collectively punished the Jews. So there's a quote, you know, never again. How about never again for anyone, including Jews, including Palestinians, including, you know, the people uh, being subject to the Myanmar massacre, the Muslims, the Rohingya, on and on and on, never again for anyone. So my guess uh, is of the for this hour is of the Jewish faith, and he's going to talk about why Zionism is not Judaism and how it is bad for Jews and non-Jews alike. Joining me now is Rabbi David Weiss. He is from Naturi Karta, which is Jews United Against Zionism. Rabbi Weiss, thank you very much for joining the program. Yes, hi. It's an honor, a privilege to be on your program, and with God's help, we would like to accomplish to uh, sanctify God's name, bring peace to the world by correcting uh, a misunderstanding, a crucial misunderstanding of Judaism and its uh, connection uh, to Zionism. And that will be able to, God's help, I hope, bring a lot more peace and uh, tranquility and, uh, to the world. Definitely. So, so give us a bit of history of how Jews and Arabs of all stripes lived in peace in Palestine before the Zionists stepped in. Yes, uh, that is a fact that uh, prior to any United Nations existence or any human rights group's existence, uh, Jews lived in not only in Palestine, but uh, in all Muslim and Arab lands. They flourished as very religious Jewish communities distinctly uh, following their religion, and they mingled and associated and really co uh, uh, coexisted. Uh, with the Arab and Muslim community. So this obviously, uh, this is the concept that there's a, a rift and a deep uh, entrenched uh, uh, ingrained like hate or something and, and that we cannot exist Jews and Muslims or Jews and Arabs is really uh, just improbable and not, it's not, and not totally false because history attests to the fact that it wasn't like that. The only change is that since around, around 100 years ago, a little over a hundred years, uh, a movement uh, started called Zionism, an ideology called Zionism, mm -hmm. and, um, and since that has been around, that it has really created this this uh, mistrust, and suspicion, and uh, uh, friction between the two. And with God's help, we'll explain that. Of course, I'm not stay, I'm not denying that they, through the hundreds and hundreds of years that we coexisted, Jews and Muslims, that there were never any bumps in the road. But unfortunately, in uh, Christian lands, there was, if you're looking at that, there was many more bumps in the road, if you would call it that, than, you know, problems. But, um, but as a general rule, uh, we, we lived uh, and thrived and flourished in the Muslim countries, and we were, in fact, a safe haven through the times of history, the Crusades and the Inquisition, and uh, even well, as far just recently, the World War II, Jews found a home, a place to go to in the Muslim countries. And it's, uh, simply, it's understandable. We happen to follow the same uh, that, uh, idea that we believe that there is one God in the world who rules everything. We have different, distinctly different religions and how to serve him, but uh, issues of modesty and many other issues of kosher and halal and very, very many similarities. Um, modesty is a very big issue, and uh, the belief in one God is the most pivotal, most important issue. So there's a, a very good reason that we should be able to exist 
uh, amongst the Muslim and Arab communities, and that was until Zionism. And um, that I can explain with God's help what the Zionism is all about. Sure. So, so who are the Zionists? They obviously didn't live in Palestine prior to trying to get it. And how did they try and, and hijack the Jewish faith in order to set up a nation-state that kills and maims Palestinians in order to seal their land? Right. Well, basically, uh, Zionism started around 130 years ago. It was started by mostly, um, also entirely, and the leaders uh, were Jews who had left the folds of religion. They left. Uh, they they uh, they rebelled against the, the concept of serving God, uh, which Judaism is. The whole issue of Judaism is subservience to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, to follow the laws and be, we, that we believe we made a covenant with God on Mount Sinai around 3,000 years ago to follow the 613 commandments, uh, to accept the, the rule of God over the world to be entirely subservient. We believe that every human being uh, was created by God and has to believe in the, well, the seven commandments of Noah, that there is, which is that God gave Moses the Torah that says he has to believe in one God, not serve idol worshipery, uh, not kill, not steal, not commit adultery, have a law system in the land, and last, um, not eat from an animal while it's still shaking. And if you follow these rules, then you will inherit the world to come. A righteous person will get, be rewarded and so forth. But Jews had a unique uh, covenant that they made that they would be a nation of priests, that we would be constantly serving God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that we have to keep 613 commandments. That's the covenant, which is Judaism. That's what it's all about. Um, and anything, somebody who does not follow that is uh, uh, estranging themselves from this Judaism. Now, Zionism came along, and they wanted to transform, around 130 years ago, and they wanted to transform the whole concept, what Judaism is, from subservience to the Almighty into uh, a base materialistic nationalism. We should be a nation amongst nations, just like um, Italy has Italian, um, Italians have Italy and uh, Canadians have Canada, the United States citizen has the USA. So they'll be like a nation, and they'll be proud to have a strong Olympic team, a strong military, a, a strong, you know, and they'll be, be able to show that they're not uh, in any way uh, uh, less than another country. Now that is, of course, totally, totally uh, strange to our what our religion is all about and it does not represent what Judaism is. In fact, because of that, even prior to the taking over Palestine uh, over 100 years ago, you know, the state is 65 years, um, um, and even prior to that, uh, uh, when Zionism started with their ideology, the Jewish communities ostracized, and basically um, anybody who joined this Zionist movement, this ideology of this nationalism that they want to, to create a state, was ostracized from the Jewish community worldwide. It didn't matter um, if you were from African, Middle Eastern countries, or whatever, whoever wanted to join this movement. Now, basically, this movement was, was not known to the nations of the Middle East and Africa, or where Jewish communities were there. Uh, or it, was in, it grew out of uh, Austria, the Germany. Uh, it started in there, um, and that's where Zionism started. Theodor Herzl in Vienna, and um, that was the area where, where Zionism started. And as I say, these people were people, in, uh, almost entirely non-religious people, and the who detested the religion, actually, and wanted to transform Judaism again from religion to nationalism. They were ostracized, and that was the basic issue that we have with this, because it's not Judaism. In fact, their plan 
were to make a uh, state um, in Uganda, in Patagonia, next to Brazil. Or, you know, they had different plans because they weren't interested in any manner or shape or form to something to be identified and have to do with, with the God. But they realized, uh, for practical reasons, in the end of the 19th century, in the 1890s, they had the first uh, big meeting uh, uh, convention in, uh, in Basel, Switzerland, and they realized that in order to be able to get this tremendous amount of uh, infusion of money and backing, uh, they will need to somehow prove to the world, both the Jewish and non-Jewish world, that they represent something Jewish. So they mm-hmm. turned and they put on this uh, uh, facade of religion. They started using this, you know, all the religious symbols. According to the, they decided to call it the State of Israel, um, um, using the menorah as a symbol, and, uh, and they decided to go to Palestine to create this. And they'll call it, instead of just saying they're making this national home, they're going to say, oh, we're returning from exile, that God, you know, that we are 2,000 years in exile, and we're going and, the pre- and then they, kind of, they put into it, they added to that, of course, that they said the reason we were in exile is because we were weak, uh, we were physically weak and inept, and uh, now we're going to have an army and we'll be strong and we'll return, and this is our redemption. Now, when you say that, you're already uh, touching on the, uh, the, the, the heartstrings of like many uh, evangelistic Christians and people who believe that the Jewish people should uh, be in Israel, the land was given by God, and things like that. And of course, the many, unfortunately, around the world, the Jews who are non-learned, the, the basically they're ignorant to their religion, they bought into this because uh, for them it was a win-win issue. They did, they, they're not requiring of a Jew to follow the basic tenets of Judaism, to be subservient to God. They're not t- requiring of them to keep the Sabbath, keep kosher, do everything that a Jew has to do. All you have to do is support this nationalism. So it was, you know, for these people who didn't know the religion, and, uh, and it, um, it, it played on the emotional issues of, you know, we were, we were in exile 2,000 years, and, and here we're returning and doing God's will without having to do anything, altering their lifestyle. So basically, this is where um, Zionism was able to capture and kidnap sort of the identity of Judaism around the world. Of course, again, the very religious community invariably around the world, uh, and of course in Palestine where the, the Jewish community was extremely religious, um, and the chief rabbi of Palestine and all, and the, the rabbinical authorities around the world stood up in uh, in, in the most stringent and the most vocal opposition to this Zionism, and they said they're simply charlatans. They're stealing our identity, they're stealing our name. It, it happens to be, ironically, beside that, the whole issue is uprooting Jews from the connection to God and trying to make them into simple nationalists. But the concept of leaving exile and making a Jewish homeland happens to be one of the decrees of God that uh, from a a King Solomon, an, um, uh, a prophecy of King Solomon, who built the temple, uh, said that when time will come and God forbid we're sent into, into exile by God because we were lacking in our uh, uh, um, uh, elevation and uh, being elevated in the service of God, we're not prop- in the properly uh, serving God, and therefore we were sent into exile, became the destruction of the temple. And we were put on the oath by God that 
we are three oaths. We are not to turn en masse to the Holy Land in large numbers. We are not to rebel against any nation. We should be subservient. We should be good citizens in every country, loyal to every country we, uh, we exist in. And thirdly, not to make any attempt to exa end exile. And by creating this state, this national home that the Zionists are doing, we're breaching all of these cons the, uh, oaths that God warned us um, that will happen because God foresaw of this, and, and through the prophecy of King Solomon, he said, you're going to, um, don't attempt to leave exile and think that you can, you know, just return by yourself and do, uh, create your state. Because um, God foresaw of this. So it's, it, and we were warned that it will bring to, to tragic results, uh, catastrophic results, if we will attempt to return. And Zionism breached all these oaths. They return in mass, they rebel against the nations. Uh, the existing um, indigenous populace there, and they're trying to end, supposedly trying to end exile. They really don't believe in God, many of them, or whatever, and they, but they scorn, they laugh at this, but they ridicule all that, but still and all, they claim, you know, they're, they're the end of exile, and that's how they ensnare some, you know, moderately religious who don't know their religion properly. They're able to ensnare them into this and saying, oh, with the beginning of God's redemption, the end of exile. So in every facet, it's just a, a it's a con job, you know, it's a, and it's, and, and the rabbinical authorities stood up in, in, in really the greatest opposition. We have books uh, written about that. We have a called The Rabbis Speak Out. It's a collection from and on our site, which is Naturikat, you know, nkusa.org. Um, it's the stands for Naturikat, the nkusa.org. And we have over there, uh, you know, different, we have the, the uh, books that's uh, historic documents showing how all the rabbinical authorities oppose Zionism. We have the books of the rabbis speak out universally, all, almost entirely, all the rabbis set up an opposition. Um, and, uh, we, and we believe that that's what creates this rift, this terrible, this terrible for over 100 years, the, uh, uh, that the Jewish people are on the, in the, the greatest danger. Besides, it's a rebellion against God. It's, it's uh, come to fruition what God said, that it will bring catastrophic results because Jews are in, in tremendous danger in many lands because uh, the Zionism uh, agitates. It creates, you know, this, uh, uh, the, this rift and a hate uh, because the Jews are accused of, unfortunately, what the Zionists are doing to the Palestinian people. Jews in general are accused. We're not, of course, we're not in any manner condoning or saying any, you know, the violence is, is, is uh, the right route or any manner whatsoever that, you know, what's being done uh, because of Zionism. But, it, it, you know, the, unfortunately, it has come to that, has brought, Zionism has brought this hate between people who have been living, babysitting each other's children, Jews and Muslims. We did, we've done this in Palestine. We have people who can attest that. And Zionism brought this hate and the fear and all that this terrible, just like endless river of bloodshed mm -hmm. because of their, you know, ideology and their, their this flawed and like selfish ideology of taking the land. And I, I just want to add, I know that's long-winded, but I must add something. We, we, I've left out some very, very important issue here. Sure. With this concept of creating a state, of having a national home, is something which the rabbis opposed from day one when the Zionists started in Europe, as you so uh, properly uh, started uh, this conversation, they, that they, they said that this is totally not Judaism. We're to be subservient to God. That's what it's all about. And just as God is uh, compassionate, you have to be compassionate. It's all you know, what Judaism is, to serve God. And nationalism is not part of this. Mm -hmm. And it's forbidden for us. 
but this was even prior to, under, to, to uh, uh, knowing that when designers will make their state, they're going to make it in Palestine. And when they decided to make it in Palestine, they still didn't know that, you know, this is going to be on the heads and shoulders and against the will of the indigenous people. The majority were Muslim, and then there was a Christian community, and there was the Jewish community, and they didn't, um, they didn't, they weren't even uh, uh, looking into the issue yet of how that it will be opposed to these to the people who are living there. Because supposedly the Zionists were talking about buying the land, and you know that it will be uh, totally, you know, with, with the with the will and uh, the the, uh, the goodwill and the acceptance of the people who are living there wasn't, but once they, they realized that this creation of the state is, uh, entails banishing and of the people or the indigenous people and you know, oppressing them, killing them, and doing you know, everything, all this terrible Nakba, which is the Arab word for tragedy, that Zionism is all about, you know, the state of Israel, then of course the, uh, the rabbis started decrying this and speaking out against this, but uh, this, this is just like an added, it makes it ten, a thousandfold you know, the terrible crime of the state of Israel, which is, the state of Israel obviously is the realization of the Zionist ideology. So this is something, you know, that, that uh, added to the fact that God warned us that we should not have a state. Added to, the, added to the fact that the whole ideology is not Judaism, it's just transformation of mm -hmm. Judaism to something else, and, and to the fact that we were put on the oath not to, to create our own state, you're adding uh, whether, you know, even one inch of Jewish sovereignty is forbidden, even whether it was an inhabited place or not. But added to that, of course, is the terrible crime that it's created in a, in a, in a, ha a habitat, in a, in a land that was inhabited by a people, and uh, the Palestinian people, and this is totally ignored by them. So uh, we oppose it. We have opposed it. We, in our documents, we have, like, the chief rabbi of Palestine. Well, from day one, when they started coming up at the beginning of the 20th century, they started coming in mass, the Zionists, the rabbis spoke out and pleaded with, with the leadership, um, you know, that they don't want to be uh, that, uh, included amongst them. They, and uh, all these many, many documents. But let's say in 1947, right before they were uh, ratified, the state of Israel was ratified in the UN, the chief rabbi of Palestine at that time was Rabbi Dushinsky. And um, in you know, our historic documents, you can see we have a letter that they pleaded with the United Nations, and um, uh, where he says, and um, basically we could quote him. Um, this is this happened in uh, November. Um, I'm going to quote a letter. It's a document A147 um, that um, rather declaration for the United Nations, July 16, 1947. I'll just quote one line. Uh, this is Rabbi, Chief Rabbi um, Yosef Tzvi Dushinsky, J.Z. Dushinsky, uh, where he writes, We furthermore wish to express our definite opposition to a Jewish state in any part of Palestine. And this was in July 16, 1947, four months later when they saw that the United Nations is ignoring the Basically, the, the, the heart and soul, you know, the, the Jewish community that was there for hundreds of years living with the Palestinian people. Uh, he wrote again to the Secretary in November 18, 1947. He wrote to the Secretary General of the United Nations, and he says, The Jewish Orthodox community of Jerusalem comprising 60,000 souls, that's 60,000 souls, objects to the plea of including Jerusalem in the Jewish state or 
and or its residents becoming automatically citizens of the Jewish state. Our community demands that Jerusalem be an international zone under your protection with full autonomy and its residents be free citizens of the international zone of Jerusalem. We beg of you not to take any action and so forth, Chief Rabbi, before reading our memorandum, uh, Chief Rabbi Jay-Z Dushinsky. Basically, he saw that they're being ignored, so he said, at least leave us Jerusalem, that it shouldn't be taken over by this Zionism. Mm-hmm. And again, they were ignored, and then the sad history which followed um, um, which was actually a continuation at the beginning of the 20th century, but of course, of course, um, in 1948, they ratified in the United Nations, and we've had, you know, an endless river of bloodshed, suffering, and separation from the, unfortunately, uh, between our communities, um, you know, the Jewish and the Muslim, because of this Zionism. Mm-hmm. Certainly, and like you said before, you're, nobody's advocating violence or co- collective punishment of anybody. Uh, like the Ten Commandments says, thou shall not kill or steal, but it is the Zionists that have been the violent ones, the collective punishers. How was the uh, state of Israel instituted by a brutal military invasion and coup by the British military, known as the Nakba invasion, namely in order to kill Palestinians to steal their land for this new state of Israel? Yeah, well, um, of course, you know, we always say, you know, and many of the Zionists said, um, although at the beginning of Zionism there was there was a, a difference, uh, there was some Zionists who said that it was they they only agreed to Zion, to the state if it wouldn't um, uh, harm other people, affect other people. There was some ideal idealists you know, of the Zionist movement. They sure. wanted nationalism, unfortunately. But of course, of course, it didn't happen that way, and the movement started. And so the Zionists, of course, ideally, would be very much ha- um, more happy if the, all the Palestinians would just pick themselves up and leave, and then they wouldn't have to kill anybody. But yeah. of course, <laughs> that's not the way it works. You know, that's because they're enforcing their nationalism over a people who refuse to give um, up their their homes that they've had for hundreds and hundreds of years. So um, uh, it's not like they they want to kill. I mean, although I'm not here to uh, to stand as a, uh, uh, in any way, uh, you know, to um, uh, to somehow sympathize with the Zionists, because I'm saying that their issue is they want the land, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, and and of course we say to them that this is a crime. It's a crime against God in every facet, as I explained. It's it's we it's they. We believe that it's rooted in heresy, a rebellion against God, because we're coming, like some people come from the human rights issue. We're coming straight, you know, from the religion issue. They're coming celebrating the fact that it's a Jewish state, that they represent Judaism, and, you know, it's God's will. And in so ma- that manner, they intimidate people to support them. They intimidate people to, that if they'll be, they accuse them of being anti-Semitic if you oppose what they're doing. And we're saying, excuse me, uh, first of all, yeah. uh, not only aren't you representing Jews, you are the worst uh, nightmare uh, that creates, that exacerbates anti-Semitism because Jews have been coexisting. History shows that we've been living with Muslim people. And even in Europe, they've created such hate um, because people look at Jews as uh, inhumane in what's happening to the Palestinian people. So we've, they, they're a cause, a catalyst, and a, really of exacerbating so much anti-Semitism. Not that there was never anti-Semitism in the world. And, you know, of course, there is the concept of people who hated Jews throughout history for no, you know, for no uh, reason, no proper reason. And, um, and, uh, but, and I'm sure there's some people who, who, like Zionists, keep on harping on the issue that they say, oh, people who are anti-Semites are just using this as an excuse. 
that's that would be very um, uh, uh, fine, <laughs> you know, if 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 there would be uh, um, more than an iota of truth in that. But but let's but if you break somebody's you, um, uh, windows, uh, somebody stands on the street and the guy says, "What are you doing?" and you yell out, "Hey, what are you yelling?" and he starts, to, "What are you doing breaking?" And the guy laughs and starts breaking more windows or something, and they say, "Get out of here!" and he starts to, so he's gonna say, "Hey, you're anti-Semitic because I'm Jewish." You're none. I mean, everybody would laugh at that, you know. Here you have people who are oppressing another people. And and the, and they're saying and and they're clearly stating we're not against Jews. We've been living together with Jews, and 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 we simply are opposed to the opposition. And they keep on saying, "Oh no, it's because you're anti-Semitic." It's just a ploy, a way of using this Judaism to intimidate and to strike fear into people that they shouldn't get up and oppose. Um, and you know. Zionism. We, as uh, we always say, uh, to, to say to the world, look at our site, look at our um, with our rabbis around the world, and if you can look even at the Jewish communities um, around the world, if you look in Baraboo, if you look at the Jew, in Jerusalem, or you go to Stanford Hills in London, you come to the United States, the most uh, the largest concentration of religious Jews in New York, right across from Manhattan, is Williamsburg. Which is uh, miles of um, very religious, uh, very religious Jews, and you won't find one Israeli flag because they're all seriously religious. Um, they're they're God fearing. They give their lives to serve God. You know, they 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 private, privately educate their children. They have religious education, kosher, all the requirements, and yet they don't support the state. There's not one Israeli flag. We're opposed to Zionism. So obviously, it's nothing to do with anti-Semitism or self-hating Jews. It has to do with the fact that Zionism is flawed. Zionism is has no redeeming factor in the Jewish religion. We are expressly told by God not to have a state, not to steal, not to kill, not to oppress the people. So what they're doing is they're creating, they're desecrating God's name. The name of Judaism is being smeared in the gutter. They're creating a rivers of bloodshed, and, um, and, and that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Now, there's just a little other, I have to stress, Zionism keeps on speaking about redemption. Oh, they, they, they'll, they'll, you know, they have these uh, uh, advertisements that they play this uh, emotional music where they speak 2,000 years we were in exile, and this is uh, God's redemption. And they, they play on the fact that every Jew knows, let's say, on the Passover holiday, we say the coming year in Jerusalem, it's a mantra, that, it's a Jewish you know, uh, phrase that we say. And uh, so they, they point to that and say, see, we're right, this is our land. And the answer to that is very simple. Um, we've been saying this for 2,000 years, the coming year in Jerusalem, and we never thought that that meant or nobody decided to pick themselves up and move to Jerusalem because of that. When we had the opportunity many times, there was a golden age of Judaism where Jews could have bought, and they suffered plenty under the Crusades and the Inquisition, and, and, and they could have bought land, you know, bought up the land, or part of the land, or different other lands, and they never did. And the reason is simply, the concept of the return, the end of exile, the return to Jerusalem, is a religious issue, which we believe one day, the Almighty Himself, without any human intervention, will make a miracle where all humanity will believe in one God. So in other words, what that will mean is that you wake up in whatever uh, small town in America or, you know, in, in Paris or whatever part of the world it is, or in, in, in California, there won't be any more atheists, or, um, you know, they, everybody will believe that there's one God, and, um, and they will serve Him in harmony. That was what we believe will be the change in the world. And then we believe God will, will uh, create... 
himself will create the, uh, the third temple because two were destroyed. He will create a temple where all humanity will join hands, we will go up, and then we will return to the Holy Land. And it will be the will of all humanity. If it has to do, if it entails t- taking a gun and pointing at the Palestinian people and, and throwing them out or anything like that, then, it, then it's totally not that concept of the end of exile, the redemption or leaving. So it's all, you know, a, a, a falsification of Judaism, a farce and a, a misrepresentation. And, and if you look at the people who lead the Zionist movement, Theodor Herzl, uh, Ben-Gurion, uh, Zev Jabotinsky, these people were the ones, the most, uh, uh, the greatest haters of the religion. Uh, Theodor Herzl had one son, his name was Hans, and he refused to circumcise him, and he advertised this. Jews gave their lives to make this covenant with God of circumcision, and yet he refused to circumcise his son openly and proudly. He never did. His name, as I say, was Hans, died uncircumcised. Um, Jabotinsky, um, who was the, the mentor of, of Begin, who was the prime minister, he wrote in 19, um, in 19 he wrote in a, a newspaper article, Chadashus Haaretz it's called, the newspaper, it means the news of the land, in, in, in the article is called Outside the Camp, and this was in um, um, October uh, 22nd, 1919, he wrote, in, in, and I'm quoting him, in the national home, which they were thinking of making, and he wrote, in the national home we will announce that those Jews who have on themselves the rust of exile, and refuse to shave off their beards and peos, that means, you know, side locks, so if you see curls, side curls, Jews have, really Hasidic Jews. So they refuse to shave off their beards, and Iraqs will be second-class citizens and will not have the right to vote. Again, he wrote, uh, in the national home, we'll announce that those Jews who, uh, who refuse to shake off of themselves, you know, the rust of exile, and they refuse to shave off their beards, and Alex will be second class citizens and will not have the right to vote. Basically, he's saying that, you know, that's how much they test, detested the religious Jew and religion, and yet they're portraying themselves as the protectors and the heroes of Judaism. Mm-hmm. So, in truth, it's just, and they, what they do is they advertise, you know, where was God to protect us? Where was God by the Second World War? And all these type of issues, emotional issues, in order to get the backing of people. So, what they're basically saying, is that we don't, uh, we can't trust in God anymore. God could, didn't have the power to protect us, so therefore we're turning to our guns. So in other words, it's rooted in, in blasphemy. You know, of course, the issue of the Holocaust we have to get into, understand, but basically to turn around and say, well, God doesn't have the power to protect us, what does that mean? It's rooted in blasphemy, and it's how ironic it is that they call themselves this Jewish state, you know, and they say, well, we have to have an insurance policy, we have to have a land uh, because we have to protect ourselves. So it's rooted in blasphemy, it's rooted in rebellion against God, because clearly God foresaw this and said we're not to have a state. God told us we should be compassionate, we're not allowed to steal, to kill. So in every facet, Zionism rebels against God, and um, as I said, the rabbis oppose it. And if you look at our site again at nkusa.org and the links, you'll see that Jews were brutally beaten from day one because Jews stood up in opposition to Zionism at the beginning of the 20th century and in Palestine when they saw that they're starting to uh, breach the walls of the Jewish community that are coming in, these Zionists from Europe, they protested and they, they were assassinated, they were brutally beaten and this is something that people, it's mind-boggling, people can't believe it, they know what they, what people have a little bit of an idea maybe although it's blocked out of many of the media, but you see what's being done to the Palestinian people, but people don't see how they design is um, brutally beat and arrest the religious Jews 
And simply because they stand up and we're never armed, nobody com- accuses us of being militant, simply the Jewish people stand up and protest and demonstrate against the, uh, the Zionism, the state of Israel, mm-hmm. and many of their decrees against the Jewish community, which is a whole long topic. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 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 they dig up graves for archaeological purposes, which is a, a very, very uh, 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 a desecration of holiness. We believe that a body is not allowed to be up, uh, dug up or, you know, uh, to make autopsies and things like that, because especially for archaeological purposes, it's forbidden because uh, it has a holiness to the body. And the Zionists have a, a, a you know, a gold mine of, of uh, archaeological history because, you know, the Jews, the Jewish people have been living there for thousands of years and they know the, the dated graves, they know the exact dates, so they like to study the bones, they like to, st- um, and, and they go and they dig up graves w- with impunity. Unity, uh, through the state, with the backing of the state, and so the Jews make protests, and they would be brutally beaten, standing simply for standing there uh, to stop the digging. And um, I could go on and on the different things that they, uh, for any demonstration they get beaten, and we have pictures of this. And so we demonstrate, we stand up and against what they're doing to the Palestinian people. Our hearts cry for the suffering of the Palestinian people. And we're humiliated because it's being done in our name and frustrated. You know, people uh, around the world think that the more the Jewish you are, the more religious you are, the more you support this uh, occupation. And it could be nothing further from the truth. The more religious, as I say, go around the world, the more the religious the community, the more opposed to the whole, the mere existence of the state of Israel we are. Um, and uh, you could see that, so like I say, people come to New York, see that there's no Israeli flags, that when it comes to an Israeli Independence Day parade, you only find modern, you won't find what the, you know, the very religious Jewish community there ever. Uh, and this is around the world. Not only we don't celebrate it, we mourn this existence. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a, a fact. We've, uh, um, and when we go, like we went as a group, so a delegation to Gaza a few times, we brought medical aid, and we were embraced um, by the leadership, who were clearly um, whether we're not we're not political, so we went with we met with President Abbas, we met with the Prime Minister uh, Ismail Khania in Gaza, um, and in every case and around the world, or in Lebanon with the Hezbollah, whoever were, were, they're part of the government there, they uh, they they made a, a, a joint press conference and they stated we're not against the Jewish people, we're simply against. The occupation mm-hmm. in Gaza, as I say, we were embraced by the people there, and they all said we we would love to live again in peace, and we we want to live with Jewish people. We have no opposition. This was an open press conferences. The only opposition they have is being occupied, mm-hmm. and um, and so therefore, it's, uh, the world doesn't get to see this. The world uh, right away accuses anybody who opposes um, uh, the occupation as being anti. In one breath, they'll say anti-Israel, anti-Jewish anti-Semitic and so forth, and we hope that we'll be able to correct this misnomer and um, hopefully that we can once again live together in peace and uh, with the, ideally with, God, with God's help, we hope we pray to God who can accomplish anything the USSR um, ended the apartheid ended um, um, and, uh, quite peacefully and we pray to God that he should bring this, uh, this the existence of this occupation you know, this uh, illegitimate we believe state of Israel 
uh, to an end, hopefully God helps speedily and peacefully, so then we can again live together uh, in peace. Jews, Muslims, Jews, Arabs, and uh, the, the Christian community live there. You know, we're always living in peace, so we can continue living in peace. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, you broke down all the uh, fallacies of how some people say that any and all criticism of Israel is, uh, is anti-Semitic, that it's a intellectually bankrupt argument, and, and you also pointed out how Israel not only threatens Islamic Palestinians, but also anti-Zionist Jews who oppose their state and the occupation. But on another thing regarding intellectual bankruptcy, uh, Zionists often accuse people who are against Israel of just supporting Hitler. But on your website, you give the history of the Zionist connection to Hitler. I'll start briefly uh, giving a bit of history by mentioning one of the Paul Warburg, an American Zionist and an architect of the Federal Reserve System who uh, headed some influential uh, Zionist groups, or, or he called them Jew- Jewish groups. And he not only joined George W. Bush's grandfather, Prescott Bush, in laundering money to Hitler's IG Farben Bank, but actually told many American Jews to ignore Hitler and to stop protesting his atrocities. This obviously harmed many Jews and other people who fell under Hitler's atrocities, like gays, gypsies, and anti-fascists. Um, what are some other ways the Zionists uh, colluded with Hitler uh, and how Israeli nationalism and annexing of land is no different than the tactics employed by the Hitler tyranny. Well, I can, uh, you know, um, one, I could just, a hair-raising uh, fact, and um, this you can look up, but this is, a, Chaim Weizmann was the first president of the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what you've mentioned, um, not, uh, and the facts that you've mentioned, I, I you know, this, uh, um, I didn't uh, see it, I have to follow up, and, you know, whatever the issues, but, mm-hmm. like, I have in our book, again, in the uh, historic, uh, traditional Torah opposition design and historic documents, that's, again, from nkusa.org, um, Nature Kata. By the way, we, we, we don't, uh, we're not out to, uh, you know, sell stuff or books. We, whatever, if there's anything, like these historic topics could be all downloaded. Uh, and if there is anything on sale, there, it's like for a minimal, uh, you know, just the cost of the printing or something. But we don't, we, we don't copyright. We're happy that anybody takes it and uses it and, you know, just takes it off the site. So and NK is N as in uh, November, K as in King, USA. So it's NKUSA.org. On our site, NKUSA.org, these are the historic documents. I'm going to quote here. Um, it's Let's say this Jewish press is on this paper on October 18th, 2002. Um, and I'm quoting Chaim Weizmann, who was the first president of the state of Israel. He was the, um, uh, the one who was pivotal in getting the Brit- British to... Uh, back and you know create the, the, the support the, the creation of the state of Israel, and he wrote um, they had a meeting in 1938, and I'm quoting Chaim Weizmann. 1938, as you know, was the beginning of the of the Nazi up, uh, rising, and eventually, unfortunately, those next few years where they killed and murdered, um, um, like you said, the, the Jews and um, mm-hmm. six million Jews around them, and, or maybe more, and, and, and um, uh, gypsies and all, you know, whatever they've, all the terrible genocide that they did. Mm-hmm. And um, in the beginning, they were already talking their um, full, you know, they were, the speeches of Hitler, may his name be obliterated, and all they gave, it was speeches, you know, of hate, and um, to kill the Jews, and then and it was Kristallnacht, and where they went and they destroyed the synagogues. So basically, uh, so at the, by 1938, they saw the writing on the wall that the Jews are in, a, uh, are in extreme danger, and they had a meeting of the Zionists who were very powerful uh, at the time, and they were deciding what to do uh, 
to use their power or something to save the Jews of Europe. And this is what Chaim Weizmann said. I'm quoting him. Palestine cannot absorb the Jews of Europe. We want only the best of Jews, Jewish youth, to come to us. We want only the educated to enter Palestine for the purpose of increasing its culture. The other Jews will have to stay where they are and face whatever fate awaits them. These millions of Jews are dust on the wheels of history wow. and may have to be blown away. We don't want them pouring into Palestine. We don't want Tel Aviv to become another low-grade ghetto. Wow. Would you imagine that? This is supposedly the, say, the, one, the, the heroes and the reason why they need the state, and they, were, they realized they were going to get it from Britain and from the UN, and they were discussing if they should save the Jews of Europe. So they said, we don't want, they, they were fearful of having, you know, religious Jews um, coming in there and not supporting the state, whatever. So they only want the educated, they only want the youth uh, to prove its culture. The, they don't want Tel Aviv to become another low-grade ghetto. The millions of Jews are the dust on the wheels of history. Can you imagine that? In other words, they saw that, they said, let them be murdered. Mm -hmm liquidated and finished, and, and, but not to come into Palestine. You would think that it was Hitler himself saying this speech, yeah. and this is the father of, you know, the first president of Zion of the State of Israel. It's unbelievable if the world will understand, and I have much more. There's a book called 51 Documents from Lenny Brenner. Um, it speaks about how they, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they stood Zionism, what they were complicit in, um, you know, what they did with the, um, worked with the Nazis, what they, there's much uh, history to that. There's, at least they were um, complacent in not saving the Jews. It's a book um, put out uh, called, from the, um, from the depth, it's called Nehameitzer. Uh, it's uh, from Rabbi Weissmandel. He was from a very religious community, one of the great rabbis in Europe. And that he, uh, he lived in Hungary, and he, Hungary was invaded in 1944, right at the end of the war. And he saw, you know, unfortunately how the Jews were murdered in Poland and, uh, and Ukraine and so forth. So he, he, and he was a brilliant person, a brilliant scholar, and a brilliant uh, um, person altogether. And he uh, approached the henchmen of um, Eichmann. And he said, look, you guys are desperate. You see that you're being, Germany is, being, is losing the war. Uh, sell us the Jews. Instead of killing the Jews, sell us the Jews. And he came to an agreement, a secret agreement, and they stopped killing Jews in Auschwitz for around a month's time. And on the condition that he's going to come up with the money to buy the Jews from Hungary. And um, he turned to the, the rich organizations, were the Zionist organizations. So this Rabbi Weisbaum would turn to them for help. And they said, sure, we'll help you. But behind his back, they sent letters that they, uh, again, they didn't want to save the Jews because they didn't need these religious Jews. And they said the more Jewish blood that is spilled on the, to the victor goes the spoils. So they'd be able to um, glean sympathy for the murder of Jews. So they're killing two birds with one stone. The, the religious Jews will, because Hungary was uh, many religious Jews, they'll be murdered and they'll be able to turn to the uh, to to the countries of the Western powers, that they should give them a land for that, um, Israel. So basically, uh, and, and the, he wrote this book about this, and he, with documents, he, there's a book also, um, um, uh, 51, uh, 51 documents from Lenny Brennan, there's a book, um, uh, A Perfidy from Ben Hecht, that speaks about this, this whole uh, happening. Uh, and there's a lot of it that's a long talk about all this, how they were caught in this. In fact, somebody was accused, the head of the uh, like Zionist Jewish organization uh, to, save to save refugees. Um, actually, uh, uh, somebody wrote about this case. 
a guy named Greenwald in Israel, and uh, he was accused of um, of slander uh, of, by by this uh, person from um, the, the head of the Zionist organization when he wrote, wrote about this, and it was taken to court in Israel court, and this guy lost, and um, somebody assassinated this guy on the street, this head of the Zionist movement, and uh, there's much more to that. Is um, we have a book. Um, um, Holocaust victims accused. Uh, it's on our site. I don't know if it's um, um, you can download it. Most probably because I don't think the book is actually still. It's out of print already. Uh, but we have how Rabbi Dr. Schoenfeld, who was head in in uh, of saving Jews in uh, Britain, and he wrote uh, in the London Guardian that he said that Britain was being accused of. Uh, being uh, sort of complacent in saving Jews, and the Zionists were accusing, accusing Britain of this. And he wrote, he said, "I must say that I am the head of, I was the head of the refugee uh, movement for the Jews in Britain." And um, I'm quoting him. This is in the Times of London, June 6, 1961. Rabbi Dr. Solomon Schoenfeld. He served in the Holocaust as the chairman of the rescue committee, which was founded by the chief rabbi of Britain. And he wrote, your recent reports of the Eichmann trial included considerable evidence showing that His Majesty's government was largely indifferent and unwilling to take action in defense of the European Jews who were being massacred daily by the Nazis. And uh, I'm not going to go through the whole article, but I'm writing, and later he writes in the middle, he said, my experience in 1942 and 1943 was wholly in favor of British readiness to help, openly, constructively, totally, and this readiness met with opposition from Zionist leaders who insisted on rescue to Palestine as the only acceptable form of help. In other words, that they wanted then the, um, you know, the, uh, it sounds maybe a little contradictory to what we said before, that they only wanted certain Jews. That, now they wanted the Jews to be pouring into Palestine to build up their, you know, their Afghanistan and so forth, to build up the state and to be able to fight the Arabs. So they wanted all the Jews to be um, uh, taken to Palestine. And he said, in, 19, in December of 1942, I'm quoting here, um, the, he writes, we, let, we in London formed the Council for Rescue from the Nazi Terror. And he wrote um, that there was, um, I'm leaving out a, a result, he said there was a movement of 277 parliamentary signatories of all parties. Um, this was purely a humanitarian proposal, met with the sympathy from government circles, and His Majesty's government did, in fact, issue some hundreds of for Mar um, the, um, Mauritius Islands and the Dominion government of India to declare its readiness to find temporary, temporary refuge in, in, in its own properties or in territories under its call for endangered people who are able to leave those countries. In other words, they're opening the doors, India and um, the uh, and uh, the Mauritius, they, they would that they can come as many Jews, you know, they just simply have to go to to their countries if they can leave, if they can somehow escape from under the Nazi rule. And this was signed um, a total of 277 parliamentary signatures. He says at the parliamentary meeting held on January 27, 1943, when the next steps were being energetically pursued by over 100 MPs and lords. A spokesman for the, for the Zionists announced that the Jews would oppose the motion on the grounds of its omitting to refer to Palestine. In other words, you want to take them to India, not to Palestine. Some voices were raised in support of the Zionist view. There was considerable debate, and thereafter the motion was dead. Even the promoters exclaimed in, de in desperation, if the Jews cannot agree amongst themselves, how can we help? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? 
it's mind-boggling. It's just unfathomable that what they stood simply because of their political uh, goals that the Jews should be, you know, that they were complicit and unfortunately had a hand in that the Jews should uh, not be saved and murdered. And my, it happens to be in Hungary. My grandparents come from Hungary and they died. They were killed in Auschwitz. My father was able to escape uh, right at the beginning of the uh, when the Zion, when the Nazis came into Hungary, but he couldn't get his parents out. And many of my relatives and my mothers from her side in Poland and Hungary, they were murdered. Oh, and 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 a lot of it, you can say, thanks to the uh, with the Zionist intervention. Wow, and that's just very very powerful stuff. Something I had never ever learned in uh, in school. Um, and, and like you mentioned, they're kind of like looking for a specific set of people. Um, let, let's talk about um, um, what, what Israel does in regards to uh, ethnic cleansing, uh, not, not even in regards to just Islamic Palestinians, but also to Jews, because Jewish immigrants from Ethiopia who are non-white Jews uh, find themselves being forced sterilized at the point of entry into the country with uh, the Pfizer drug Depo-Provera. Um, and and uh, since, since Zionism is not Judaism, how do they attempt to justify uh, eugenics in the name of a religion they're not really even belonging to? Well, right, we keep on saying a person, uh, his morals are dictated, you know, by uh, if he's a, a religious person, you know, this God, his fear of God, you know, that the person uh, is uh, his moral ruler, his uh, yardstick or whatever, you know, he, he does things because that's what uh, gives him a set of rules of what morality is all about. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, um, being that they uh, they they sacrificed basically they they uh, left this uh, godliness this concept of the Torah and everything that uh, gets sacrificed on the altar of Zionism you know mm-hmm. so whatever stands in the way of reaching this goal of uh, a state uh, unfortunately gets sacrificed and it's including human lives and whatever stands in its way mm-hmm. now it's, it's um, I mean I've met many unfortunately people that. It, um, that are, um, you know, they they they're gullible people, and there's many people who are uh, actually, you know, have hearts of, of you know uh, of gold, and they would, you know, they they support uh, other, so many other uh, human uh, interests, you know, not human interests, but if humanity, you know, the good of humanity, whether it's uh, uh, hospitals and uh, uh, other. Uh, Trage- tragedies that needed support, that they'll give charity to that. But when it comes to the issue of Palestine, it's like they, uh, you know, the, uh, an iron gate gets pulled down, and you, you, you can't even th- talk and uh, uh, debate or you know really come through to these people. And so mm-hmm. people, I, I mean, I've met uh, many times um, Arab and Muslim people, and they ask me, how come these people who are such big philanthropists and um, you know out for the uh, for other hum- uh, uh, humanitarian issues when it comes to Palestine? Fine, they're just not there. And um, I say, well, first of all, we believe at the root of it is because it's the works of Satan that's driving them. And but in the uh, in this physical, you know, in this materialistic world, it's simply that they're uh, they're so inculcated, they're so uh, from the day they start their schooling, 
their uh, Zionist propaganda machine mm -hmm. basically speaks about constantly uh, of fear-mongering and speaking about, you know, we, we only saw, uh, many people alive today who lived through Hitler. Let's say me, my, you know, I, my older relatives used to, I had, um, you know, like when they sent to concentration camps, they had the numbers etched into their hands. I knew many people like that. And we lived with the Holocaust survivors and things like that. So it's like a fear, you know, of, of God forbid, you know, what could happen, you know, uh, if we're overrun by people who want to murder us. So they use that, they um, use that fear-mongering, and, and they teach the children from when they're young in the schools because they have an endless river of money, for the, you know, that they get supported donations for what they're doing uh, for their state and their cause. And they, so they keep on teaching the children that you should know that... Um, you see what the Nazis were, and there's such a concept of uh, this anti-Semitism. Well, the Arabs and the Muslims, you know, had this hate, and so so they train them from when they're young. When it comes to the subject, it's like, you know, you, you with somebody who's an ardent anti-Semite, a, a KKK individual, uh, you know, somebody who just a racist, a blatant racist, you know, sometimes you find a person who you can't talk to. He just... You can't talk to the guy. He's just a, a fanatic, um, uh, you know, Aryan, whatever, you know what I mean, that type. And so they keep on, so they tell these people, oh, you know, this subject, this, this person is backing um, um, against anything against Zionism, whatever it is, that you can't, there's no right to talk to. So they lose their, their, their uh, clarity in logic, you know, to be when it comes to this subject. And I think that, and then it steps on, on every other boundary also, like uh, uh, when it comes to the, uh, people who they want to uh, uh, do whatever they do because, it's, because it's, it's standing in the way of their, what they're told that they have to have this insurance policy, this land, you know, again, rooted in that we have God to protect us. So we have to have a land to protect us with a country with, with Uzis, with some machine guns, with <coughs> drones and whatever is the, the latest, uh, you know, terrible, you know, to, uh, um, uh, uh, some type of um, military machine, you know, so they, they say they, they, they have to, they do anything to have to back, to, to back that, and that's what's going to protect us. So it's rooted in blasphemy, you know, God can protect us only these machines, and whatever they need to, 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 to that it should flourish in this state, they're back, and it's, and, and if, to take them out of this emotional block, that they should be able to think normally, like they think about any other subject or any other problem in the world, it's, uh, it's, it's quite, it's, it's a very hard thing. And now if you get to evangelistic Christians, again, they turn to them and they tell them, you know, in your Bible, you know, it says that the Jews have to be, it was God given to them, and it's a requirement to give them the land. And they, and they, and they really work on the uh, lack of knowledge of what uh, what really it's all about. That God doesn't say that you should go and uh, oppress the people and steal their land and um, um, and so forth. And that's even forbidden for the Jews to have this land. It's against God's will and against the Bible, against the Torah. So they really work a number on everybody, basically. And we believe that the, the reason they're so successful is because the works of Satan. We believe there's a God in the world, and God gives this you know, the power to Satan to do this. But we have to, but God wants of us two things. First, we should pray to the Almighty. He should bring a speedy and peaceful end to this, and that we should stand up and, uh, and you know, speak up and uh, really try to um, insist, you know, and be beg the world leaders that they should understand that it's not only uh, uh, a help for the Jewish people 
the existence of this state. Uh, it's like, you know, people have sympathy because of the suffering in the Holocaust, but it's not only, it doesn't help us by having this thing, but it's, it, and, and of course it's bad for the Palestinian people, but on the contrary, it's, it's, uh, it, it creates uh, bloodshed and anti-Semitism, and, it's, uh, and, and on the contrary, if you want that the Jewish people should be able to enjoy, that we should be able to live in peace and harmony, let's just, uh, you know, continue, uh, uh, have a, a a conclusion, a peaceful conclusion to the state, so that we can live as we've had for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Muslim lands, and then we could, in, in, in around the world, the repercussions, uh, you know, would turn. Till now, it's just creating havoc and hate, and uh, with the removal of this impediment to peace, we can live again in peace. The history shows that. Mm-hmm. And and certainly, uh, you know, like like you say. Um, uh, there, there are definitely other issues that people are concerned about, but when it comes to that, you know, it just, it's kind of a wall. And, uh, you know, there's declining uh, birth rates of Ethiopian uh, Jewish women. And uh, when it comes to myself, like when, when, even uh, uh, not, not in regards to Israel, but the, the U.S.'s actions overseas, you know, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of gay rights, and the U.S. just granted that, but they're also killing people. But that's the same thing with Israel. I think both countries are using different humanitarian excuses to say, look how good we are, uh, but, you know, that it doesn't cover up the bloodshed and, you know, the, the false state uh, of Israel that is anti-God, as you say. And I, I think uh, I wanted to ask you guys, because you, uh, 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 the Naturi Karta group has rallied outside the United Nations in support of Palestinian statehood, which would be uh, an open democracy that grants equal rights to all people, Rather than uh, the what the state of Israel currently does, um, what what do you think about Palestinian statehood, uh, and what is the possi- possibility of it happening in the near future in order to stop ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, and, and what do you think about peaceful right of return? Well, um, about we of course we support um, the the return to the rulership. You know, the Palestinian people we're apolitical. We're not saying how they should. Um, have, in other words, to dictate for the Palestinian people who should rule, what should rule, but it should be a free Palestine. Mm-hmm. We would ideally, we, we, we want a free Palestine in the entire Palestine, not, you know, like a two-state solution, because mm-hmm. we say one inch of Jewish sovereignty, or so-called Jewish sovereignty, is forbidden. Uh, so we, of course, celebrate, support, um, you know, the creation of a Palestinian state, but of course it's only to us uh, a uh, we're happy for every inch that's returned to them. It's not the solution like uh, the concept of a two-state. We want, with God's help, like I say, a, pe- a speedy and peaceful total dismantlement of the state of Israel, which should be a free Palestine. Again, we are certain that we can coexist. Jews and Muslims and Arabs and people may laugh at that and say, oh, you're just a dreamer. Uh, again, look at history. Just look at history before there was any human rights groups and Jews lived in all these lands. Of course, the, the state of Israel has created such animosity and such um, hate that um, there must be a, 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 a quite a, 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 a um, large number, you can say, I mean, in the hundreds or maybe the thousands of people who, being that they were in the Israeli army and created um, and did things, interrogations or whatever they did, if they're unsafe, so they would have to, they feel unsafe, they would have to, let's say they, they should pick themselves up 
and go to another country, that America, Canada, or whatever, you know, go and take them in. And that was what's caused, let's just say that costs billions of dollars. But let's remember that if America sends, uh, what is it, two and eight, um, how many? Uh, I think three billion, billion now. Three billion dollars yeah. to, to Israel, for, which is an endless, an endless sinkhole of money just to create these, uh, you know, for the military and so forth. Wouldn't it be much more advisable to take some of that money and the people who feel unsafe because of what they've done uh, should be, uh, move to some other country if they would like, and then we can live together because, like I say, these Muslims, you can go to the countries as we've done, and they all say, we've lived together. Our parents told us anecdotes and stories of how we've lived together. We know that's a fact. You can look at the, 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 the areas where the Jewish communities exist. You can go to Egypt. Uh, we went there. You can go to, of course, in Morocco and Tunisia. In every country you will see, and you can go to Iran. In Iran, they have these Jewish synagogues People are still, you know, openly the uh, Jewish. You can go and you can see that it's really not a religious conflict. So, and again, the people who uh, who say that because of fear, um, you know, that what the Arabs will take uh, revenge and so, if it's we are certain that if you approach the Arab leaders uh, with um, with humility and really remorse, you know, that what, what's been done to them and, um, and restitution mm-hmm. and, um, and a plan how to create not only the right of return to Israel, but, you know, a, 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 a case scenario that, you know, there should be a free Palestine called a democracy. We're not going to dictate to the Palestinian people what to do, whether it's they wanted a very religious type of country or a democracy, that we should be able to coexist amongst them. That would be the, the, the Torah, the, the Jewish way that it should be, again, returned. Again, we're not allowed to have our own sovereignty, so it should be returned to the indigenous people, to let them dictate the type of rulership, and uh, with the, you know restitution, and uh, of course it will be the right of return and so forth. And then the people, again, as I explained, who are fearful of what, what will happen to them, let there be funding to get them changed. So how many billions of dollars would that cost? And remember, that would have an end date, yes? Mm-hmm. Instead of what the, 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 every year you have to sink in $3 billion, and then you have to build walls and mm-hmm. towers, and every time they come up with different ideas for protection, and it's a never-ending thing because you can't keep on oppressing a people. Mm-hmm. This would be the true, with God's help, you know, the... Um, the, the solution. Now, we always state that even if I'm wrong with the solution, we want to make just one thing clear. The Zionism is not Judaism. They had no right to take our identity, our name. They're, they're, um, they're simple rogue thieves. It's not Judaism. It's a transformation from Judaism into something entirely different called Zionism. So the first issue is they, are, they don't represent our religion. The name is false. It's Israel in the Bible from Jacob. It's not their name and not their identity. And uh, they cannot represent the, the Jewish religion in any manner, state or form. And, and, and they cannot represent, represent so many Jews around the world who refuse to be identified by Zionism. Mm-hmm. And they, but they like to say that they represent the Jewish people and the Jewish state. That's first of all. Whether our solution is true, that's the next step. But first of all, whenever you go to a doctor for uh, uh, some medication, the first thing you hope is that he knows what the, what the sickness is, what's mm-hmm. ailing. If not, he just gives some um, uh, cortisone or something, and the guy feels better for two days, but unfortunately the sickness continues and grows. Um, the first thing the world should understand that Zionism is not Judaism, and they don't represent the religion. And then 
um, and that this conflict is not a religious conflict as the Zionists want to portray, or as it's, and it's not anti-Semitism. And then we can sit down, and when you understand what the problem is facing you, then we can work out a solution. Like I said, if they would you be approached properly, then the Muslim and Arab leaders would be would um, would be uh, taken as serious partners in peace if they would uh, they would be legitimately accepted. If you look at them and say, "Hey, you don't accept the Jewish people," so automatically they're looked at as uh, you know, just not uh, uh, proper individuals, and therefore you can't sit with them. If you understand that the ones who have done something illegitimate and, and wrong is the uh, creation of a state in another people's land, and it shouldn't have to be recognized, like they keep on insisting that people in Gaza, or that they should recognize the rights for the state of Israel. No, they've stolen the land. Mm-hmm. Let's work it differently. Let's sit down and speak about the fact that we have a big problem here. There's a state that was created illegitimately, and now we're trying to rectify the situation. Now, if you would understand that the leaders are not out to kill Jews, and they would issue fatwas and so forth that... Well, with with restitution and so forth, and fact was that they shouldn't hurt the Jews. With God's help, we are we are hopeful, and we are quite certain again that it, there could be a resolution with a free land there. And um, I, people are fearful of that. That there be funding that they could move out. I think it's so. The solution is quite logical. It makes sense. And and um, again, I'm not attaching it to the uh, initially what we started. The problem is Zionism, that is clear. The solution, I think, is quite also quite an acceptable issue, and, um, and we just, uh, unfortunately, our words are stifled by the power of APAC and so mm-hmm. forth, you know, the intimidation of this, these um, organizations that, you know, uh, get, like we say, you know, just calls everything in, in, in Judaism and therefore anti-Semitism and so forth. But if we un- uh, unwrap it properly and present it to the world properly, then I believe we can really come to uh, a just solution. Mm-hmm. And, and anecdotally, in modern day, as in right now, Jews and Christians and uh, Muslims and Arabs of all different stripes in Syria actually do live in peace, but unfortunately the what the U.S. and Israel do, are doing to back these very dangerous rebels are about to mess that up very, very severely. Yeah, I mean, again, really, it's more than that, that before there was any human rights groups, or, you know, that you could say the protectors today of democracy, we lived in countries, in Yemen, in, um, I mean, I went to Yemen 20-odd years ago, I think, and uh, there was a, a civil war going on, there was a tribal war, and um, everybody, they carried guns. I went to the back roads, and they had roadblocks, you know, garbage cans put down in the middle road. And people stopped us, and they looked, and, ah, Yahud, Yahud means Jew, let them pass, because we were not involved in their, you know, tribal wars. And I went to different towns, and they took us up so nicely, people, the neighbors, without, they just walked into the houses. Everybody was close, the Jews, the non-Jews, you know, the Muslims. They came into the houses just to, for the guests and <laughs> sat and talked. And, and there was, you know, they were living there, and if, God forbid, if they wa- had wanted, they could have slaughtered, God forbid, you know, the Jewish community, but they didn't because it was, there was no such thought of uh, a concept of doing that. You know, it was all, each one has their own protectors, the sheikhs and so forth, 
it's nothing really, it's so clear it's not religion. And today, I mean, if you go to London, for instance, in the Jewish area, Stanford Hills, you have a mosque on the same blocks as synagogues, you know, very religious mm-hmm. um, Muslim communities there. They dress in their Muslim clothing and um, for the different countries they come from. And, they live, and so, I mean, you can see, uh, this is here, you could say they're afraid of the British police, although I doubt, I, you know, I doubt how strong that is, but in the fact is, before there was ne- uh, this protection in all these Arab countries Jews live. But uh, even today in London, you can see in other lands, you know, that they still live together. And so I really think it's, it's, so, it's so crucial that people understand what the issues are. The facts that you asked me about Ethiopia, I didn't um, quite answer you. Like, um, um, the issues you say, I don't, these, you know, facts that I don't know, I don't know. So I don't know what they're doing with these people. Like, but being that they, you know, they anything um, that stands in the way of their uh, successful state, they do, uh, because they've lost godly morals in our eyes. We know we don't put anything beyond them, but um, I don't know of those issues. But I'm just saying, you know, they definitely um, bring people from many different lands um, and, and just to, to, as cannon fodder and from Russia, and um, uh, they brought people, and of course they, they, uh, they, they, even by we know that by, by World War II, when people were taken from the concentration camps, they brought them on ships, and they um, put them right out in the front. The Jews were emaciated; they didn't know what, they didn't know what they're doing, and then put guns in their hands and told them to shoot. And they were murdered of these Jews. They uh, they they had no idea where they were being sent, and they were told they have to stand up and fight because the Zionists wanted to have um, cannon fodder. So they've taken people from all over. In fact. And they, they, there's, you can look, you can Google this, you can look this up. Um, Germany wanted to take in Jews from Yemen, from other years, from the USSR when it closed. And the Zionists keep on putting cr- pressure on these lands on, 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 that not to accept Jews. They said they belong to us. And just now recently, like last year, two years ago, Jews from Yemen were having problems because of um, unrest with the Al-Qaeda and became dangerous. Um, so they want, there was the was Jewish community in the United States offered to, to bring, help them, you know, support them and bring them here. And the Zionists immediately demanded and uh, put pressure on the, the American the politicians. Oh, they said they belong to us, like as if we belong to them. They wow. bought our souls. And that's a, it's, it's reported. It's an openly reported. It's like I say, they, um, you know, anything, we don't put anything past them. Um, um, people uh, have been assassinated from the Jewish communities, and they continually uh, uh, brutally beat and, and kill our rabbis and our leaders. You can look at our sites from, mm-hmm. from over, it's, already, it's already over 100 years. And so we don't put anything past them, but uh, I can't. Uh, some certain facts I just don't know about what they, you know, what they do. Certainly, for those just joining, I'm speaking with Rabbi David Weiss. He is of the group Naturi Karta, Jews United Against Zionism, and you, you were talking about a lot of uh, uh, things regarding how not only the uh, illegitimate Israeli state uh, oppresses Palestinians, but they also oppress. Jews, like you said, they they take people to to fight. They dread, They have. They pretty much have a forced draft in Israel. The they they have dwindling exceptions, and the last one was uh, for religious study. Uh, we have folks like Natan Blank, uh, an Israeli who refused mandatory enlistment because he doesn't want to take part in war crimes. He's now right. in jail. Um, so you got uh, Naturi Karta re- and uh, Jews Against Zionism uh, recently. Uh, protested again in New York o- over over this draft. Talk about the recent draft yeah. proposal and um, 
why you would rather spend your days serving your Lord instead of committing war crimes on behalf of the Israeli state that you suppose you oppose. Right. Well, um, that's just one of the many crimes, of course, because we uh, we we hold that their existence is uh, a, a you know a crime against God, a rebellion against God. Obviously, we don't want to stand and serve in the military. Obviously, so you have a large you know you have pockets of Jewish communities there that when the state of Israel was created, first of all, um, many people uh, at at tremendous cost. Don't take any funding from them, any medical coverage, and that everybody, we, everybody knows what that means. If you don't take medical, you know, coverage that they have over there, and so the hard, it's so, it's extremely hard living over there. Now people will ask, just pick yourself up and leave. Uh, many people would like to leave. It's extremely hard. Of, of, you know, there's many technical issues. First of all, it's very hard to get citizenship in the U.S. or in Canada or England. Many people have tried. So, and Jewish people can't just go move out to some <laughs> anywhere. You know, they have to live where there's uh, kosher food, um, uh, schooling, Jewish schooling and stuff. Well, it's extremely hard, but many people wanted to leave, couldn't leave. And also the people have old relatives, you know, families intertwined. They've been living there hundreds of years. They don't know another language. Whatever it is, there's Jewish communities that when the Zionist state started, they were stuck. And um, and after the World War II, many of the Jewish people ended up um, moving to Palestine, or then already, and then after it was the State of Israel, uh, either because the Zionists uh, made certain that they were um, only allowed to come in there, which they worked on very hard. By the way, even then, the refugee camps they kept on insisting on countries not taking in the Jews, and that they should be diverted straight, you know, to 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 Haifa port, you know, to go into Israel. Anyway, there's so much to talk about what they've done there. They took children, this is a side issue, they, they, they uh, kidnapped children from parents. They, told, they took children and they said, told the parents when they got off the, uh, from these different aliyahs, it was called, aliyah means that they were going up in Hebrew. Uh, so they had like, people coming from Yemenite communities, other communities, and they would, um, Moroccan communities, and then they would tell they would take the children away from the parents, say they're sick, and they would never return them. They would tell them they died. We have a book called, but the Moroccan, uh, the case of the Moroccan children, that they were simply disappeared. And in Yemenite children, they did that too. Also, um, basically, they gave them over to adoption. To they put them into kibbutzim. Kibbutzim is uh, like settlements away from the parents, and took away, made them non-religious, and to support their army. Uh, but they've, uh, they've. Uh, done this uh, continually, all different types of actions like that. Um, uh, with the the uh, settlements, they put people from these all these Sephardic, it's called these communities from Middle East and North African, whatever Jewish communities. They would put them out into settlements because they want them as cannon fodder again to you know to settle up these places that and so it's just it, it creates. Uh, you know, the, the settlements, of course, creates anger, and um, uh, you know, against the, the the Palestinian people are totally upset with this. And these people are clueless. You know, they put that they have no choices. They 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 come into the they're taken into Israel. The passports are taken away. They're placed in these things, and the, the terrific crimes are committed against these people. These these accusations that they tested radiation against Moroccan. Uh, there's a whole books written wow. about that, that that they tested radiation on these on on, on whole communities. I, I dealt with this. I went, um, um, actually, I was ca called as a witness for two um, um, teenagers who came in um, to the United States. They were looking for amnesty, 
and they were they were part of this project that they um, that uh, there was radiation tested on everything, and they were afraid they were being because they were trying to um, uh, go um, they, whether they sued the Israeli court system, but they were being harassed, and they came here and they looked for they were, and I had to go to court for them. Um, basically, you know, because they were religious Jews and they were being harassed. And as many people were seeking amnesty because of being harassed. I want to tell you just one other little story. Um, again, in that book, Holocaust um, um, Victims Accused, um, and this is in 1940. There was the sinking, I'm quoting here, it's page 62 there, the sinking of the ship Patria in the port um, it says on November 1st and November 3rd, 30, uh, November 3rd, 1940, respectively, the steamships Pacific and Malos were intercepted by the British off the Palestine coast with 1,771 immigrants. This was in 1940. Remember that there was a blockade. The British didn't want all the people pouring out from, you know, Europe into Palestine. Now the Zionists at that time decided that they wanted cannon fodder for their issues, so they wanted these people to come there. So on, um, on November 20th, the decision to transfer them together with others who might arrive in the future was announced officially. Arrangements were, quoted, were accordingly made to transfer the Pacific and the Rose passengers to the Mauritius and the um, SS Patria, which was in Haifa Harbor. In the meantime, a third ship called the Atlantic was approaching Palestine with another 1,783 Jews. It arrived on November 24th, and it was arranged uh, was uh, arranged to be made by the British for transfer to the overcrowded Patria. So we're talking over like uh, over 3,000 passengers. In the morning of November 25th, with thousands of people watching its departure in Haifa, the Patria was blown up by an explosion. 252 Jewish refugees from Hitler's burning hell lost their lives. The Zionist propaganda machine declared that the sinking of the ship was a mass suicide to protest against British refusal. But the Commission of Inquiry subsequently appointed said that the damage to the Patria had been committed by Jabotinsky Begin Gang, which is called the Irgun, maybe you've heard Umi, in close cooperation with the Haganah and Palmach gang. Now that was, if you know, the, like the Zionist terrorist organization before the IDF. They were the Haganah. Wow. It was put, 10 years later, the Haganah general staff admitted and boastfully said that it ordered the ship blown up in order to lay this charge at the, door, door, at the doors of the mandatory authorities. In other words, to blame the British. So they blew up a ship full of Jewish refugees simply to get this, you know, the sympathy, you know, world sympathy for their movement. And mind you, there's another book called um, um, uh, Ben Gurion Ben Gurion uh, scandals. Somebody from Iraq that they were accused of putting um, the Zionists were caught putting bombs in Iraq and other places in synagogues in order to create panic that the Jews should run away and come to Palestine. Wow. That, you know, and they can blame it on the Arabs. So it's unbelievable what the, to what lengths they go in order to gain you know, sympathy and to prove that it's there, you know, they're hated and it's a religious conflict and so forth. When it's totally, you know, so it's just like I say, this, if you, they don't have these morals. It's rooted in blasphemy and, and it's, the, it's really the cause of uh, uh, spiritually and uh, our distancing from God, you know, not, uh, not being subservient to God. It's a, a, a material concept and the, uh, tangible bloodshed, you know, rivers of blood that's created by Zionists from day one till now. And it's such scandals that it's unbelievable. 
and yet people are simply like sleeping, you know, to all of these facts. And uh, really, people should be, we, we pray to God to understand it, to know all of this, you know, then we can make, uh, and then we can have a peaceful, we can really a peaceful solution to, to, to the, this great problem that's facing us. And the repercussions would be in other Middle Eastern countries, because if you know, I mean, if you, you would hear, a, a lot of the Middle Eastern problems are rooted in the issue of Palestine, mm-hmm. you know, and the occupation. A lot of the um, mistrust of, um, you know, the, the West and so forth is based because of what Zionism has created, you know. And uh, it would be really a solution. Mm-hmm. Certainly, and you talk about a lot of instances where uh, the the uh, Zionist uh, army or, or you know their terrorist groups uh, commit false flag attacks against other people to make it look like with the sinking of the USS Liberty or, or what they even going as far as to bomb synagogues full of Jewish people. It's just absolute insanity. It is anything but morality. It is it is horrible. It's death and bloodshed. Um, uh, do, do you have any? Do you have any final thoughts? And again, uh, please tell people where they can find out uh, information online through uh, the Jews Against Zionism uh, website. Right. Well, again, um, our site is NKUSA, um, and for Nancy or November, right? So NKUSA dot org. NKUSA dot org. We ask people, first of all, uh, we ask people from Muslim descent, um, we urge them of Arab countries, you know, whatever that they should write, go to the elders, uh, ask them to tell anecdotes of how we coexisted. It should be recorded, you know, that we, should, that we shouldn't be forgotten, this history. And with that, we can really help convince people how, you know, that we don't have a religious conflict and we can bring a solution to this. So it's so important and critical because people from the older generations, unfortunately, you know, pass on. So we urge people to do that. We urge people to um, invite us. We don't charge any honorariums to go to universities, to conferences, or if you know of any conferences about Palestine and whatever country it may be, uh, let us know. Let uh, inform those, in the organizers to call us and let us know about it so we can uh, try to get uh, to go to these conferences or conventions or whatever it is about, you know, Palestine, to educate the world. People should understand the, the difference between Judaism and Zionism, between Judaism, the religion, and Zionism, this national movement. And in that manner, uh, if we're educated, the people are educated, it's the start that we should be able to have a solution, you know, to this, this colossal problem, this terrible neck, but you know, this tragedy. So please, we urge people help us by, and if you have any information, uh, like uh, you've just mentioned, Alex, if you have any, you know, information that you think would be in- informative for us. Um, even if you've been sure that we have it, but you never know, you know, we can use pictures, we can use, um, uh, you know, whatever it is, videos, DVDs, or documents, or whatever, of facts, what the Zionists did, or the co- good coexistence, Jews and Arabs and Muslims, um, or anything that was uh, related to these issues of um, Palestine and the occupation, uh, whatever you feel, you think could be, send it to us, to our email, uh, yeah, it's which, which would be info, at nkusa.org. Uh, again, info for information, info at nkusa.org. Send us the information you have and um, invite us to come to your universities. We don't charge honorariums or to, to Muslim centers where we've gone to many Muslim centers. 
um, and to universities. We've gone to many universities, thank God, around the U.S. and other countries. Uh, we will help uh, to teach the students that they should be able to feel, afterwards, they won't feel intimidated in speaking up against um, Zionism and, you know, these uh, the terrible occupation, because this way people fear of they're not enough knowledgeable in this issue, then they're afraid of being accused of being anti-Semitic. This way people uh, are uh, gain, you know, confidence, and they're not intimidated. So, so it's crucial that uh, we should be able to uh, speak to students and speak to people, and also it takes away this, it builds bridges, it takes away this unfortunately misplaced mistrust and hate and uh, that's been created by Zionism. Muslims have this mistrust of Jewish people, unfortunately, a lot of times because they think that all Jews support what's being done in Palestine and so forth, and uh, this uh, knowledge that we can uh, give in by coming to these conferences or coming to schools is really crucial. So help us with that. And everybody should pray for the speedy and God should help peaceful and, uh, um, you know, dismantlement of this impediment to peace uh, in the state of Israel. And speak up and don't be fearful. Speak up for the people um, of Gaza. Um, Al Jazeera just reported today um, that, that the people in Gaza um, they're all the water source is basically from one aquifer in in Gaza, mm -hmm. and it's tremendously overused, and it's very it's polluted, it's it's terrible the situation, the water situation over there, yeah. and and um, it's really it's it's they say I mean in, in the near future, God forbid, they, they they will be totally polluted, but as it is, it's a terrible as it is, so it's really it's it's. A critical situation, the, the the water situation for the people of Gaza. Uh, the first of all, it's extremely expensive. They have the the way it is they carry around water. They give like it costs like ten dollars a week for a family or something. When like the income is like thirty dollars or something like that, wow. a, a, a load. And that and so I'm sure that because of that, everybody uh, doesn't they they don't use enough water because you know you're limited because of the cost of the water and the water is altogether polluted and uh, so really people I don't know what could be done but people should really stand up uh, uh, for the suffering our and we plead we want the Arab Muslim world to know that we're humiliated our, our, our hearts cry you know for the people for the suffering of the people of Palestine around the world the Jewish people we our hearts cry for the suffering we really would and it's being done in our name so it's it's the double tragedy we really hope for the end and the free Palestine that they should have back their dignity and self-rule and um, you know they should know that <laughs> and we help us let's with God's help let's do and um, stand up demonstrate and plead with our leaders in our country and other countries to help the people of Palestine and that's critical issues <laughs> Well, I would like to thank you very much for giving this very powerful interview on the show. I've been speaking with Rabbi David Weiss. He is from Naturi Karta, which is Jews United Against Zionism. Rabbi Weiss, thank you again very much for joining the program. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. I would mention one thing. If you sure. go to our site, we have um, we we've tried to make an appeal. It's already a few months that we would like to put together to get an ambulance. And an ambulance... Um, all in all, with all the 
technicalities and everything, sending and everything that we should is less is um, less than a hundred thousand dollars. It's around um, um, forty something thousand dollars it would cost us. And we put that up on the site, and of course we don't we don't take any um, part of it goes for cost of um, you know office cost anything like that. We simply we could show the cost of it exactly, and um, and so far we've got very little uh, uh, feedback on that. You know, uh, what, what's the ambulance so we, for? We, we want to send. We want to go. We've we've been um, to we've gone to Gaza. Um, and we brought medical aid, uh, a delegation of rabbis, like two years ago, like the anniversary of the, uh, and, you know, when they went to Gaza, invasion of Gaza. And we went another time. Um, and now we'd like to go, like a group, um, a delegation. It's more a symbolic thing. Of course, it would help an ambulance, of course, but it's a symbolic thing to build bridges and that they, sh- they should see, you know, that we, we don't have a religious conflict. And we very much would like to go bring uh, an ambulance. You know, an ambulance to Gaza. Uh, we would, wow. of course, travel, go through, through Egypt. We don't, um, with God's help, that's the way we'd, we'd bring it in. And, um, and we, so we're pleading with people to uh, show the support. I, it would cost in the $40,000 range. Um, a basic, of course, you know, we can add on to it, you know, good equipment and so forth, uh, but it could be definitely for less than 50000 And again, of course, there's some people want to give a defibrillator or something like that. Of course, you know, of course, there's, the, there's a lot of equipment that costs a lot of money, but that's the basics what we're looking for. We're pleading for people to help us, and it would be uh, people could see open where the donation goes. It doesn't go into any, uh, you know, side expenses. And, um, of course, the name could be added on the side of the ambulance, you know, of a person for a bigger donation. And we're pleading with people to help us do this. And we, uh, we've tried for a few months, but we've unfortunately not gotten much of an answer. So we're hoping the people would help us do this. Do you guys ever run into uh, problems trying to bring aid into Gaza, like with the situations with the flotilla or anything from the IDF? Um, well, we didn't do anything. In other words, by we went, we went with the Gaza Freedom March. We went with Viva Palestina. So each time that we went, we didn't go on our own group. So they did the clearing, which was problematic. I don't know if you know, they went through a lot of problems, Viva Palestina, and they were stopped. And we had to spend um, uh, like two weeks, I think, around uh, waiting in Egypt to be able to cross the borders. Wow. And it went very hard. Um, so there were very co- there was complications. Um, um, in this case, uh, we approached the people of the embassy in, uh, of Egypt, and they were very friendly and very helpful. Um, so we hope, with God's help, we shouldn't have any problems. I mean, we approached them already. We discussed this both with the um, um, people of the health ministry of, like, the UN in, in Gaza, and um, and the people. And they t- they advised us, of course, that we have to go, you know, through Egyptian uh, embassy uh, authorities. So we went to the Egyptian embassy, and they were very helpful and friendly. And with God's help, if we have that ambulance, we shouldn't we sh- we shouldn't have a problem going. Obviously, I don't know if this you know this week or something like that would be possible because of what's happening. That we got pray to God it should get you know straightened out and everything over there mm-hmm. uh, peacefully. Uh, right now, the situation is very uh, unstable. Yeah. in um, Egypt on this moment. But of course, with God's help, it'll, you know, it shouldn't, you know, in the near future, it should be, we hope, God's help, it'll be peaceful again, we should be able to do it. So we just, the, the uh, impediment now is simply that uh, we're looking, we need some people with good hearts to, uh, to help us, you know, get this ambulance.
mm-hmm. and that with more money we'll take two ambulances mm-hmm. or three but it's, you know at least one ambulance and it's really such a uh, it's so small such small amount of money you know we're talking forty thousand something dollars for an ambulance mm-hmm. uh so we plead with people to help us with this i would like everybody to all the listeners to head over to nkusa.org try to help bring an ambulance to Gaza. I mean, with the situation in water, it just sounds so dire. I think an ambulance would certainly help out a lot of people who are living in, in dirt poverty. Uh, I've been speaking with Rabbi David Weiss. He is of uh, Naturi Karta, Jews United Against Zionism. Thank you again very much for joining Thank the program. You. Thank you very much. And for those who missed any part of the episode, uh, the podcast will be up tomorrow at iTunes. Search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought. AAC, and uh, yeah, get a get an ambulance over to Gaza. Support um, support the effort at nkusa.org, and you know, uh, like he mentioned, they go on flotillas and stuff with Viva Palestina. So even the people that go and do these big activism things are not are not divided. They're you know un- uh, peaceful unity amongst all peoples, Jewish, Muslim, uh, whatever, American activists, uh, people in solidarity, all giving their support um, to oppose the, you know, the devastation in the West Bank and Gaza, because that's pretty much, pretty much one of the few places left now with the power plan, going to get rid of even more people and more of their land. You know, Ariel Sharon, just for no reason, just sends bombs over to blow up buildings in Gaza. It's just sad. And, and we, me and uh, uh, Rabbi Weiss talked about you know, uh, the Israeli government using false flags to get their way. Uh, one of which is such a bombing uh, ship filled with Jewish immigrants, so they would kill Jews to get their way. Uh, they plant bombs, the Zionist Israelis plant bombs in synagogues in Iraq to blame it on the Arabs. You know, kill Jews to blame it on the Arabs. Um and, you know, going back to, uh, I mean, you know, you have conspiracy theory play- people throw around the term PSYOP like it's, like it's you know, Black Friday, you know, mowing, uh, trample on some people. They use that term so much. But, you know, the, the, the Anti-Defamation League is just so perva- pervasive in protecting war crimes, even against Jewish people with these false flag attacks per- per- perpetrated by the Israeli Defense Forces that you know they are willing to go to the lengths to you know get the media to put put out certain stories like i saw this video the other day of cnn saying like people who talk about you know 911 and stuff are are just anti-semitic and of course they uh, i think it's a total psyop you know they bring up these blatantly of course anti-semitic websites with the you know derogatory cartoons of jewish people but of course, those are put there on purpose because there is an actual freaking 60-plus page FBI file of those five Israeli nationals that were arrested on the day of 9-11. That's just the factual, you know, non-biased, uh, objective, you know, arrest report of these guys and in the interrogation that followed. You know, the, uh, the quote-unquote dancing Israelis incident with the Urban Moving Systems front company for the Mossad. And not and, and you know theorists would jump to conclusions and say, you know this is this is exactly 100 percent what happened on 9/11. Nobody can jump to those conclusions. Not even the government. The government story is the biggest conspiracy theory out there. But you have facts here and there 
such as those five Israeli nationals filming themselves smiling and hugging in front of the burning towers. The question was, did they start filming before the first plane came in, indicating foreknowledge? And, and of course, you know, the Mossad and the Anti-Defamation League would want to cover it up with some kind of media psyop, like saying, pointing to those obvious... Either, either those websites were made by the Israeli government on purpose, you know, as a psyop, you know, putting the derogatory cartoons, uh, you know, to make it look like it actually is anti-Semitic, or the maybe the ma- maker of the website actually was a racist anti-Semite. They don't represent the facts. They don't represent, you know, the whole of, of the entirety of the thing. Then they should sue the FBI of Newark for anti-Semitism because they were the people that arrested these guys, actual five people. The head, the head of the supposed urban urban moving systems company was on the head of a terrorist list out of Italy and, you know, fled to Israel and is back in the U.S. for some reason. Um, you know, uh, look it up. I'm not lying. I have it saved on my computer. It's a 60-page document about these five uh, Israelis that were filming themselves with the towers in the background burning. And they traced the license plate of their urban moving systems van to have some activity around the towers on that morning. Uh, of course the media would come out and, and point to these either fake websites or just misrepresented by actual racists who probably didn't have the facts. I mean, this uh, FBI doc was leaked in like 2007, 2011, sorry. Uh, and now it's being sued upon to get the FBI to release the full-on redacted document. I'm hoping that happens. You know, forget about these either, you know, Mossad planted websites, psyops, or just actual racist people misrepresenting the actual facts that there were five Israeli nationals doing that thing on 9-11. Uh, and not to say that that draws any conclusions. It doesn't because, you know, they're, uh, but just that we never hear that, <laughs> that there were actually two more people in a, in, a, in a van that were Israeli nationals. They had bombs in their, in their, uh, in the back of the van. And, you know, there were explosions heard all three buildings uh, throughout the uh, throughout the the day of September 11th, you never hear the truth, and then they come up with psyops and they throw up the big false claim of anti-Semitism just to cover it up uh, on the news. Because you know, back in the day, CIA had a program to take over the news and and have them uh, perpetuate government propaganda and false stories about military operations and stuff like that. So I would just suggest turning off your mainstream news organizations. You know, look at everything with a grain of salt because you might find, uh, like, the person who posted the the document, the 60-page document about the five Israelis. He said, you know, people are going to post this and they're going to purposefully advocate genocide and stuff and collective punishment because they might either be a they might be a, a, a Mossad, you know, plant psyop just to make everything look that points to these facts, make it look like it's actually racist anti-Semitism. Uh, when it w- on purpose to discredit the fact that Israel's c- committing war crimes, so they they do plenty of things to cover things up. So I'm hoping that apartheid can end one of these days because it's 2013. I I thought Montgomery, Alabama was left to uh, was left to the 60s, and you know uh, apartheid ended in Africa. But geez, you know Tel Aviv, Israel is a is a Jewish only. State and, uh, no problem with people voluntarily migrating there and just living, but when you have a state in it, and and, a, and the fact that it, it the state only grants rights to white Jews, then you got a problem. 
and they hurt anti-Zionist Jews, and never mind the horrible massacres of the Palestinian people. So this is Apartheid by Peter Tosh. Here on KKSM, the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, and then more by Bob Marley. Well, some more lessons in these songs. That we're all human beings and we shouldn't be judged by how we were born and we shouldn't be killed because of it. Whether it be Hitler to the Jews or to these Israeli false Jews against the Palestinians. Peace on Earth. It's about time. 2013. Until the color of a man's skin is of no more 
<laughs> Dude, I feel like a robotic tree. <laughs> you tripping balls? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting weird. Okay, KSM, the radio revolution. <laughs> we're from the government and we're going to solve all your problems. Do you know what your problem is? Sometimes people make the wrong choices, but we're going to help them make the right choices with guns. Hey, you're not running your business right. You're not paying people enough money. You're not hiring the right people. You keep firing the wrong people. Well, do it different. Do it different now! They got two boys kissing on the TV. We can't have that. We can't have boys kissing boys and girls kissing girls. Stop it! Stop it now! You're not doing religion right. You're worshiping all wrong and believing all wrong and wearing the wrong symbols. Well, fix it. Fix it now, damn it. Are you interested in peaceful solutions to LGBT issues? Listen to Flaming Freedom on the Liberty Radio Network every Tuesday and Saturday night from 10 p.m. to midnight. Or download any show for free from flamingfreedom.com. I couldn't be more excited about this. When people hear me describing it over the radio, they are going to remember that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. KKSM. KKSM. Oh, I used to be number one in this town, but people don't listen to AM like they used to. It seems like it's more about FM and color TV. That's stupid. KKSM AM 1320. Cox Cable Channel 957 and PalomarCollegeRadio.com. KKSM, the radio revolution. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back. KKSM. It is literally AM radio in San Diego. 
You know what that means. You stay classy, San Diego. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. <laughs> Welcome back to Free Thought Radio. I'm your host, Alex Fiddle, and... You know, I talked about uh, with my guests in the last hour, Rabbi Weiss of Jews Against Zionism, talked about, you know, the, the collaboration between uh, the Nazis and the Zionists because they both, you know, wanted to get rid of the Jews either by killing them or, or expelling them. And they, the Zionists wanted to expel them onto Palestine to then again put a genocide, similar Nazi-like genocide on the Palestinian people. An interesting fact that nobody knows about or not many, that is, that Joseph Goebbels himself paid a visit to Palestine for some particular reason and issued this coin. Uh, on one side, it has the swastika, and it says, uh, let's see if I can read it, it says, uh, I can't really do German, but it says, und erznilt div... Uh, see, I can't pronounce it, but because it's a little, uh, uh, it's a picture of a coin that's kind of damaged. But on the other side, it has the Jewish star, and it says "Palestina, ein Nazi fart knock." Well, that's some real history right there. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just insane, and it's 2013, and nothing's changed. You know, the 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 first president of Israel, a terror terrorist, and uh, someone who has probably killed Jews as well as other, other, you know, Muslims and Palestinians, you know, when he was on the Zionist organizations up in Germany and in uh, Europe, you know, refused to save Jews from the Holocaust on purpose because it would benefit the Zionist goals even more. It's just sad that, you know, the, the Holocaust gets used to stir up emotional arguments for people when the same exact things are happening towards the Palestinians nowadays. You know, Netanyahu's the next Hitler or whatever. You know, ain't no different. It's, it's, it's about the actions, not if the person's German or Jewish, that, you know, the individual should be held accountable. Nobody's talking about collectively punishing Jews or anything. It's the Israelis that are doing the collective punishment of Palestinians of non-white Jews or white Jews that are anti-Zionist, uh, anybody that opposes what they're doing, and that's you know it's it's just it just sucks. And you know the only people that should be punished are the people that committed actual war crimes, identifiable individuals, not collective punishment, but identifiable individuals, and not even just from Israel. I'm talking about Bush, Cheney, Obama. Biden, Kerry, Clinton, especially Hillary, who laughed at, scoffed at the idea of a war with Iran when she was saying how much we're going to cater to the Council on Foreign Relations. It just sucks. But on a lighter note, a tour for peace uh, by a, an Israeli band and a Palestinian band, uh, the Israeli band being Orphaned Land and the Palestinian band being Kalas, and they're kind of hard rock, heavy metal. So I want to play... Uh, the Naked King by Kalas, and then aptly titled All is One by Orphan Land. And while I, you know, I do believe in you know, the, the all one type of a thing, although I do believe that we're all individuals and we should be ourselves. And, you know, uh, I believe in individual rights, not collective rights. But at the same time, we are all human beings. We shouldn't 
rain crap down on each other, whether it be being a bully or killing somebody or implementing a genocide like it's going on against the Palestinians right now. You know, leave people alone. Like, be nice towards people. Don't be judgmental. Uh, don't give people crap. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty easy. And, I, you know, growing up in a high school system, it wasn't easy. I've had my mistakes of giving people crap. But, you know, we all learn. And I think, you know, the rigid public school system causes, you know, people to not be individuals and at the same time not share the collective consciousness of being all one. So I believe in individualism, but I, believe, I also think that we are kind of, you know, all human beings no division, none of this crap. The Naked King by Collis off of the Checkpoint Rock album. And then after that, all is one by Orphan Land. Peace, guys. Don't listen to the Anti-Defamation League. Tune in next week. I got the director of the movie Fluoride Gate. And we got from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition.
ناقصك برغي بمخك؟ جمهور وعم بيرموا علينا سداري وكذا اوكي في ناس هون بعدين في في جيران ايش انت بالجونجل انت؟ طب شو العالم شو ايش؟
KKSM 1320 AM Oceanside.